This episode of Limit Break Radio is made possible by our generous Patreon donors, including Celiana Daya from Zodiac, Shin Frostfire of Fairy, Migoto Zetsume of Sargatanis. Thank you so much for your support. If you want to support Limit Break Radio, visit patreon.com slash limitbreakradio. And by Alamo City Comic Con, October 28th through the 30th at the Henry B. Gonzalez Convention Center in sunny San Antonio, Texas. Alamo City Comic Con celebrates the artists that entertain us through TV, movies, comics, gaming, and cosplay. For more info, including badge prices, celebrity guests, hotel accommodations, and more, visit alamocitycomiccon.com. Calm down, or I'm gonna have to frag you. <laughs> we are dealing with someone here who has absolutely no life. And Mika. And I am a gorgeous girl with big cans. LimitBreakRadio.com. True Limit Break Radio, episode number 71. Guys, we're excited to have you here live at twitch.tv slash Limit Break Radio. We're live from Eorzea. Let's kick it over to our Eorzean studios. If you'd like to join us live on the show, you can be featured in our iCam at our home can we call it the pervert cam? It is kind of a pervy. Perv cam. It is kind of a pervy cam. The upskirt cam? The upskirt cam, yeah. Uh, so uh, you, if you'd like to join us, you can uh, do that at... Uh, that's on the Sergeant Tana server. It's in the Goblet, Plot 30, the Fifth Ward. Come hang out with us. Say hi. Wave. We're in the basement. Wave at the camera. Yeah, there's there's doors now down to the basement, just so you know. <laughs> there, there were, we were getting complaints that we were too loud, so we had to install uh, okay. sound barriers. How can we get complaints? It's our FC. Right? Well, people sleep up there. So what? I, th- I think if you join the Limit Break Radio FC, you should kind of know what you're getting into. That. Yeah. It's well, yeah, but the there, there was going to be riots, okay? We had, like, you know, our... our, uh, our uh, what's it called? A complaint box? box? Complaint block box? We have we, one of those? Well, yeah, we the, trash, the trash can. Oh, okay. Oh, I was yeah, having yeah, to throw it like throw it out like 50 times a day, so... Uh, I see. I had to you do something. You take out the trash? That's you? Sometimes. I can't believe you do anything around here. <laughs> You'd be surprised. Welcome to the show. Thanks for joining us. Uh, we are excited to have you here. Of course, this if this is your first time joining us live on the program, we invite you to hit that follow button, as well as uh, join us over at LimitBreakRadio.com and subscribe over there. Maybe leave us a little bit of iTunes love. Uh, it helps. Or other, hate. It, or hate. Yeah, whatever you want. I, I mean, we, we ask for genuine reviews of the show. So, uh, you know, drop by iTunes, drop by our feed on iTunes and uh, let us know what you think of the program. Uh, yeah. So uh, also we are sponsored by Alamo City Comic Con. That is October 28th through the 30th at the Henry B. Gonzalez Convention Center in sunny San Antonio, Texas. 
recently announced for LMO City Comic Con. We've got AJ McLean, former Backstreet Boy, what? and star of Sci Fi's Dead Seven is going to be there. And he's like, oh my God, my 90s crush. <laughs> no. As well as uh, a whole bunch of cast members from Sci Fi's new series, Z Nation, uh, including uh, the actress who plays Cassandra, uh, Nat Zhang, who plays 10,000, Russell Hot. Russell Hodkins, Hodgkinson, Hodgkinson, who plays Doc and was also in the movie Big Fish, Anas- Ooh, movie. Anastasia Baranova, who plays Addie, Emilio Rivera, who plays a Scorpion, and Keith Allen, who plays Murphy. Again, head on over to Alamo City Comic Con if you want details. That's October 28th through the 30th down in San Antonio, Texas. We're also going to be there. And we're going to be on hand. I hope you'll come and say hi if you're in the area. And if you're going to, uh, I mean, they've, they've announced some really impressive guests like David Tennant. Yeah. yeah. Uh, David Tennant, uh, as well as Billy Piper, Karen Gillan. Uh, I mean, just some huge names in, uh, in the world of Doctor Who, as well as, uh, you know, uh, uh, let's see, who else? Uh, River Tam. Billy D. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Billy D. Williams is going to be there. I want to drink a Colt 45 yeah. with Billy D. Williams. I want to hug Lando. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. I also kind of want to smoke weed with him too. <laughs> I don't know if I don't know if he's down like that. That's I, I mean I, I imagine I, think so. I would assume that he is, but like like when you're retired at some point, it's like who gives a shit? Exactly. You know. So uh, yeah, I'd love I'd love to share a joint with Billy D. Williams. That would be it's great. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> it's uh, certainly going to be. So anyway, yeah. More details can be found at Alamo City Comic. Uh, also, Final Symphony, we want to th- say, uh, thank them for uh, providing us some tickets to give away, and uh, we want to congratulate our winners on that. Uh, Final Symphony is happening Wednesday, July 27th in San Francisco. Uh, the San Francisco Symphony will share the stage with famous video game composer Nobuo Uematsu at the Davies Symphony Hall in San Francisco, performing music from Final Fantasies 6, 7, and 10. If you listen, uh, if you uh, uh, missed it two episodes ago. We talked to uh, conductor Eckerhart Steer about the project. Well, you can find uh, samples of the album as well as performances over at spielemusicconcert.de or just the simpler route is to Google Final Symphony. You can uh, also find tickets for the San Francisco performance at sfsymphony.org. There's two other North American dates, including July 21st at 8 p.m. at the Copley Symphony Hall in uh, that's with the uh, San Diego Symphony Orchestra as well as July 23rd at 7.30 p.m. at the Mayerhoff Symphony Hall with the Baltimore Symphony Orchestra. I'll be at that one. That is, did you get tickets? I did. That is I am so jealous Nika this is I, I, have you seen any of the, specifically the Final Symphony performances? They're amazing. No. You really I'm excited. You really I, I like I don't know if I should tell you to go watch a video of it or not, because just knowing that you're going to experience it, you've also been to distant worlds in the past. Twice, yeah. So, yeah. So you kind of know like what the whole symphonic Final Fantasy music is. I put this in such a different category from what distant worlds does. I, I almost kind of want you to go really? in blind so that like you, you get more of the in the moment experience of it. I, pro- I think I will, because also the day before, 
four is my birthday, so this is kind of like my birthday present. Ooh, so that's very cool. Well, I think I'm, I'll, just, I'll just wait. I'm super jelly, Nika, because uh, I would have loved to go uh, to any of these. Nika, your birthday is the 22nd? Yeah. Mine's the 21st. How do I always forget we're a day apart? I think we discuss this every year. I think so. Yeah. I always forget. <laughs> Look at that. Aging uh, Dr. Boy, Dr. Birthday Boy. By the way, I also want to remind you that July 27th, the San Francisco performance is going to be accompanied by a speech, a symposium by Hironobu Sakaguchi, the creator of the Final Fantasy video game franchise. That starts at 7.30 p.m. So if you want tickets, SF Symphony. Dot O-R-G. Uh, today we're going to be uh, talking about lore and story, the 3.3 story. So, uh, spoiler alert, if you have not completed 3.3 and you don't want to be spoiled... What have you been doing? Yeah, what's wrong? I know, seriously. Clear. Like, have you not... Have you not had enough time? Like, what's going on there? Take very the long. moratorium is lifted at last. Yes, uh, we are. We are going to uh, yeah lift our ban on spoilers, and uh, we're going to discuss today lore and the three point three story. And uh, we've got a special guest joining us today. Ethis Asher is going to help us navigate through that. So uh, Shit, we're yeah! we're excited to have him on the program. Uh, but first, before we get into that discussion, we better check out what's going on in FF14 News. This is a limit-breaking news update. All right, a little uh, some a little little tidbit of news. We've got patch 3.35 is yes. dropping on oh, July yeah. 19th, guys. Oh, my God. It is about goddamn time. Nine days from now is when Deep Dungeon will be out. Uh, very exciting. Uh, we got a bit of, uh, you know, a preview of Deep Dungeon where really all we got is an additional screenshot. But there you can see the uh, UI that's been designed for Deep Dungeon. And also we get confirmation that it will be dropping on July 19th. God. A week from Tuesday. Nine yep. days to go. Uh, so we've also, uh, if you entered the... Heavensward Primal Haiku Contest. The winners have been announced. Uh, so I'm j let's just, I want to read the uh, grand prize winner here. One God King, 12 Knights, bring forth the ultimate end. Thoradin's reign begins. And that was, uh, that was the winner. Uh, I mean, good. there's, there's three, actually, there's three winners. Uh, five, five, seven, five, right? Yeah, yeah. Whiz, bang, valves, hiss, crack, uh, our work undone, time goes back, recommence attack. And that was uh, another winner. And our third winner, swords of arching might, butterflies rise, red moonlight, honor bound to fight. Uh, so uh, the first one uh, came from Esmerud. Diamandis, and that name's a haiku from yeah from Cactar, Mizluet, 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 Zirmand. I don't know from Balmung. God, Balmung. Yeah, and Lisi Lumia from Ultros are the winners for that contest. Congratulations! They're not supposed to rhyme, are they? No, haikus, haikus don't, don't rhyme. rhyme. They don't have to. And these are all I about think they primals. can rhyme, right? 
They can, yeah. They don't. I mean, the the Alexander one rhymes. Yeah, they don't. They don't have to. We have to shoot them now. Uh, The first season of the feast is going to be wrapping up Tuesday, July nineteenth. So the same day that we get Deep Dungeon, we will be uh, ending, wrapping up, marking the end of the first season of the feast. But does season two start right now, or does it wait till the next patch to start? I don't know. I also don't know why it matters, to be honest, either. I mean, that's how unplugged that I am. That's how unplugged I am from PvP. Well, that's with that is the next time that they will insert like another round of glamour for that, right? Is season two like? Don't you get a? No. Is there new armor that's coming with season two? I you kind of I don't know, pre- I don't know if they ever said. That. You're kind of presuming that. Uh, I mean, what else would be the incentive? Just to continue to be ranked, or I, I don't think that there's that many pl- people plugged into it. Well, the people, well, I think, who, or if it's the same armor, then the, the three people who dominated this time, oh yeah, just, maybe you know, I guess. hold back and let oh. three other people win. Yeah, see, I there guess. you go. I guess I would assume there's going to be a short off season, and then season two will pick up. I'm pretty uh, sure that's what's going to happen. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, also, if you ever wanted lyrics for the Sephiroth battle, you can find those over at the Lodestone. Not sure. Really, why you would? But I guess they always, a, they always post the lyrics. For yeah, them. they. I mean, they do, but, and and they're pretty. You know, like sometimes they have some good lore attached to them. But I don't know. Ah, if you really want to read them, I'm not going to read them to you. But if you really want to read them, they're over. Will you at the sing them stuff. to us? No, I will not sing them to you. Hashtag sing them, Nero. Hashtag <laughs> serenade me, Nero. I am not. <laughs> Whenever I think of Sephiroth's no. theme, for some reason, Jack's theme pops in my head. It's not the same, but that's the the lyric. Oh no. Like that just pops in my head for whatever reason. Hashtag serenade me, Nika. You're welcome. <laughs> uh, so anyway, that takes care of all of our FF14 news. Uh, yeah, that's that's about it. I mean, I heard deep dungeon in nine days. Yeah, deep, that's what I heard. Deep dungeon, deep dungeon in nine days. That is pretty much the most important thing out of that that list. Right yeah, there. yeah, yeah. Most important thing out of uh, three whole patch cycles. Right? <laughs> right? Yeah. Oh, it's that's kind of it's kind of depressing to say, but whatever. It's true. Uh so all right, uh and one more thing before we uh before we get into uh hanging out with Ethis Asher here. Uh every once in a while, we like to on this show do uh some uh some we like to read some shit posts, some official forum shit posts. And <laughs> yeah, I have yeah. to. I have to say that this one is a pretty good one. Uh, <laughs> so dumb, Samus. I have to. I have to shout out Samus for this one. Uh, he wrote it. He well, <laughs> he he brought uh, he brought it to our attention. So uh, this is from uh, what is this? Soj Soj one from the forums. It's a gooey night. <laughs> no, no. Oh. Just call out their character, Wyra Amario from Fairy. There you go. Oh, it's a fairy person. Okay. Uh-huh. Yeah. That explains a lot. Please fix visible undergarments problem. Oh, no. <laughs> I would love to be able to have my character run around in the undyed Makote loincloth skirt and other similar leg wear, but the constant flashing of the undergarments when moving around and creepers possibly attempting to look up it <laughs> make me feel uncomfortable to even try to glamour it. If possible. 
could you please give us a function to block out undergarments for skirts and dresses? Thank you. Yeah, Has- so let's just have no underwear. Hashtag no protect idea. realistic skirts. <laughs> so they, they're asking for, like, no underwear, right? So Is they that wonder, what they're they'd saying? rather be naked? I don't understand. Asking like, for an undergarment concealment function in the game isn't asking for much and should be added. I always switch to pants because this lack of a setting that should have been put into the game from the start for those who want to wear skirts and whatnot, but not worry about constant underwear exposure. Oh, wait, she doesn't want to see her underwear? Yeah. This is a troll, right? Come on. I, I no. If this is a troll, it's a brilliant troll. It's it's so it's so hilarious. So she doesn't want to show her underwear out to the world. I guess not. I'm just confused what she expects there to be instead. Like just like a black hole or just nakedness. Like I don't understand. A, a black Pixels. sensor bar. That's <laughs> what? what we want. We want black <laughs> sensor bars. Shameful. Yeah, I don't know. Oh I don't God. know what 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 the request is. I think they want like shorts. But a lot of skirts actually do have shorts in them. Right? But she, she wants the ones on that, that one okay. specifically. No, no, no. That's I actually, part. you know, I've, I've I've actually turned the corner. I think that this is a great idea. I think that oh, we come on. I think that we totally should remove undergarments, but that also all character models should be explicitly gr- uh, explicitly modeled. We should all have very <laughs> graphic genitals. <laughs> yeah. Okay, Belmong. <laughs> <laughs> that. This is wow. ridiculous. Right? That That is... It's ridiculous. No, I health. like the first person's response, actually. They said, if you feel uncomfortable, don't wear it. Apply yeah. your real-life clothing behaviors to your character, and all should be fine. Seriously. <laughs> like, for real. Oh, uh, what epic shit posting. That's amazing. Like, like, have you tried wearing a mini skirt in real life? That's what happens. <laughs> actually, you know what? I feel like I'm going to make a post... Uh, Ask them to fix the undergarments problem where when you're wearing this garment, uh, the skirt covers the undergarment, <laughs> and then I can't see it as well. So, uh, Square Enix, please remove all skirts from the game. No, I, I only I, have underwear. I seriously, I want, I want uh, a sensor bar minion. That's what I want. I want to be able to, <laughs> you're to place, place it. Him. Yes, exactly. <laughs> you do so the slash back and he just covers your crotch. So <laughs> stupid. Oh my god. Uh, that's that would be funny, like how the little one sit on your shoulder, you beck into the center bar, and it just stays in front of you. Exactly. It is posts <laughs> like that that makes the official forums worth it. Uh, yeah, every once in a while, you catch a gem. You catch a good one. Uh, anyway, all right. They just want skorts. We bring, hashtag bring back the skort. No, skorts are the devil's work. <laughs> Uh, okay. Well, I don't have any opinion there, but sure. Hashtag, where's the parachute pants? <laughs> uh, there should definitely be parachute pants in the game. Give it time. Oh, oh, oh. Okay, all right. So let's talk about the 3.3 story. Guys, uh, we have been waiting for a long time to talk about this. We've we've had an embargo. Our normal embargo on discussing story has actually been longer because Nika decided to go to Japan for two weeks. By the way, Nika, mm. how was Japan? Um, awesome. Yeah, I hear that you went to the Eorzea Cafe. I did. Did they make you wear a miniskirt? <laughs> <laughs> no. 
That's not very realistic. That doesn't sound like FF14 at all. Actually, wait a minute. Hang on. Can we can we go back and actually can we can we do can we do that? Can we force shorts under skirts, but just for Rogadans? Only for Rogadans. What the hell? Well, Rogadans are beautiful. Uh huh. Actually, Rogadans are not allowed to wear skirts at all. Uh. So okay, but how was how was the Aorzia Cafe? Um, it was really cool, the actual experience of being in there. Um, my, I do complain that for being such a high tourist spot, they don't have an English menu, and everything on the menu is very difficult to figure out what it is. Oh, How my gosh. Hash, was it? Hashtag uh, entitled tourist. Picky eater. Jeez. No, it, it was more like a lot of it was probably, in Japan, most things are probably fish. That's like the, the straight answer, and I don't really like fish. So it was really difficult to figure out what was not fish and what was fish. Yeah. And the thing is, is that what I could actually read, like all the, the things were named after characters. So everything I could read was just like characters named did, and stuff. Like, did this you is your not server helpful. speak English? No. And then like they forgot. And then because I ended up winning like the big giant Moogle dessert thing, they forgot to bring me my main dish. <laughs> and so I was like sitting there trying to tell them like in my limited Japanese that you forgot to bring me my food and so they actually had to bring out like a manager from the back who did speak some English oh my god Uh, wait you won a giant Moogle dessert what is that it was like I don't know like apparently when you walk in you get a raffle cackpot ticket and they like draw I don't know they like draw it out or whatever because like a certain amount of people go at a certain time and I won this big giant like I think they called it like a toast dessert I put a picture of it on the LBR page during that time huh. all the people sitting there are like oh fucking tourist one of course <laughs> well the thing is is I feel like so many tourists go to this place and like it was just kind of strange that literally nobody could speak a word of English to me but whatever um, but then it was like it was like a giant thing of like bread toast with like whipped cream and uh, raspberries and then the other side was like a bunch of dumplings on a spike with like a cookie thing and ice cream in the shape of a moogle's head hmm, that sounds good it, yeah it was it was good but we could not finish I mean it was huge it was like I don't know it was like two feet tall jeez it was stupid stupidly like oh god it's an american bring out the biggest dessert we got (laughs) well there you go those people people saying they have an english menu i actually asked them in japanese if they have an english menu and they told me no we don't (laughs) yeah not for the the gaijin (laughs) (laughs) so anyway it was really fun though like all the the scenery and stuff was really really cool um, I actually logged in the game from the studio, and I think only Tanya was online in the link show and said hi to me. But <laughs> it was it was really cool. Awesome. Uh, all right. So uh, now that we have Nika back, uh, we can talk about the 3.3 story. And to join us to talk about this, I think we have to say his name three times for him to appear. I think that's the rule. That's right? how we summon our lore correspondent. I think that is Biggie yeah. Smalls, right? Yeah, that's how we did it before. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So let's Biggie see. Smalls. Let's Biggie see. Smalls. <laughs> Biggie Smalls. What? If you say it three times, he shows up and busts a cap in your ass. Uh, that definitely didn't happen. We're in Aorzia, so that doesn't even that person doesn't exist. Yeah. No, Anyways, he's just a lollipop. So Ethis uh, Asher, Ethis Asher, Ethis Asher is Ethis Asher with us. Oh, oh my god, bringing back the 2015 bits. Hey! <laughs> a little bit of old bit theater today. <laughs> That's right, yeah. Jesus Christ, we how never, are we guys? We never forget. Hey, we're, what's we're, up, Ethis? How you doing? We're not too proud for this, okay? That's right. Uh, oh, Ethis uh, Asher joining question. us today. 
to talk about some uh, 3.3 story and lore discussion. Happy to have you on. Uh, and again, everyone, if you haven't already, I'm, I'm assuming that everyone who listens to the show already has. But if you haven't, make sure you go check out Ethis at his YouTube page, youtube.com slash Ethis Asher, uh, where, yeah. where you can uh, subscribe to uh, his videos where he puts out some of the most comprehensive, the most thought-provoking, and uh, some of the most insightful lore videos for FF14 anywhere on the internet. You can all find those over at youtube.com slash Ethis Asher. So, I love you! Let's talk. Wow. Let's talk. Let's go to sell. <laughs> All right. So now that we hyped you up, don't fuck mm-hmm. up. Yeah. <laughs> so let's talk about some uh, 3.3 story. This was uh, the end of the Dragon Song War. Uh, and what a long war it was. Uh, a thousand years, yeah. Yeah, it was. Three patches. It, it was also, yes, it was, Three also, patches. it was also a very long patch cycle. Uh, so, so. Uh, this it, it, the the final part, the final leg of the three point three story uh, starts mm-hmm. us off in Sorkai. So uh, Sorkai is the former home of Ratatoskr, and That's ha- right. has Ratata been, has, Ratata, Ratata Tosca, Yeah, has uh, <laughs> has been has been uh, kind of. It created to be a kind of gauntlet of trials uh, for you to face before Race Valger will uh, will give you will lend his power to you against Nidhogg. So um, it, what's interesting though is that each one of the worms, each one of the dragons, has its own area that it sets up and where its brood sort of lives and mm-hmm. ostensibly this was the home of Ratatoskr. So is there any kind of context clues that we're able to pull out of Sorkai that give us any it, 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 like that tell us anything about Ratatoskr? Because we don't we actually don't know that much about her outside of her being killed. No, we have some vague ideas of her appearance from from concept art and from uh, you know there's there's a couple of reliefs in Sorkai itself uh, representing Ratatoska. Now Sorkai, when Ratatoska was living there, I'm assuming it was not actually named Sorkai. Sorkai means sad apology. Mm. It's Grace uh, Velga's way of apologizing for being unable to prevent uh, her death of being too trusting, being able to uh, you know not see that. It was sort of inevitable or inexorable that the Ellison were going to turn on them. So Sorkai currently looks very, very different to what it would have looked like when um, when Ratatoska resided there. If you want a, a clearer idea of what uh, Ratatoska's brood uh, uh, sort of lived in, those, those kinds of conditions, uh, when we are, are doing the Moogle quest in the Churning Mists, Thal Um Kash where uh, where the dark scale fate is, where there's all those exploded crystals and stuff. Yeah. Uh, apparently, we find a lot of evidence around there for this extinct brood of dragons. So it seems like that's where a lot of Ratatoska's brood was living, uh, where Sorkai was more more her roost, where she sort of raised her her children, uh, so to speak. That's interesting because um, so we, like, we explored a theory at one point talking mm-hmm. about uh, wherever we see these crystals is where dragons had died. Or, or not, not necessarily a drag, but one of these celestial drag, one of the children of, uh, 
of Midgard Somer. Yeah. When you see when you see a good deal of corrupted ether like that, and I mean, we saw it as a result of the calamity, obviously, and uh, and as a result uh, result of the the battle of Silvertier Skies. We know that there's this sort of massive uh, explosion of ether, and you're quite right that one of the things that is going to produce that sort of thing would be the death of a of a great worm. And I think it's fairly it's fairly sound uh, and fairly safe to assume at the moment that uh, Thar Umkash was actually the uh, the the death place of Paradatoska. So uh, and and something that was never really made clear to me was uh, you know mm-hmm. uh, what happened to both of Radatoskar's eyes because I I one of them was accounted for in uh Thoradin, right? Like Thoradin after no. after No, no, no. No. Okay. All right. Correct me here. They've got so what what happened right is when they killed Radatoska they ate her eyes. The 12 knights okay. cut it up and they That's ate right. it and they thought that it was going to give them sort of divine powers or whatever. Right. Then Nidhogg comes along. They take both of his eyes. One of them uh, is buried with the original King Thornton and the other is given to Haldrath who becomes the first Azure Dragoon. Okay. All right. So there we've yeah. got we've that 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 actually clarifies that to get all together uh so let's uh, l- before we move on to to nidhogg and astinian and mm-hmm. the actual conclusion of the dragon song war kind of want to deviate because even still through 3.33 there are mm-hmm. unaccounted uh celestial dra- or, or great dragons there are still two oh, names. yeah there are still at least two names that we don't know right there are, I, I believe, there are exactly two de- two names that we don't know. Right? Yeah. Because we've got let's 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 think this through. We've got we've got uh, Nidhogg, Kreisvelga, Radatoska, uh, Bahamut, Tiamat. That's five. So there's got to be two more. Um, um, and with all this talk of a mega weapon, the natural one, and I'll be very surprised if we don't see him is Shinryu. I I yes, I think that Shinryu uh, will probably play a part in this. Uh, you know. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I thought would have been a nice touch and a nice throwback to FF11 mm-hmm. during the Nidhogg fight would have been in the third phase to have Nidhogg's name changed to Fafnir, which I thought would have been really cool. But then it kind of occurred to me, OK, yeah, you're right. We do have these two names that are unaccounted for. So we don't and I'm expecting Fafnir to be a, a real um, possibility for one of those. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Fafnir and then uh, Ascalia, you had mentioned Vertra as Vertra well. Vertra and Jorman. Well, they already used Jormungand. No, they yeah. did use Jormungand. Yeah. They used Jormungand for trash, but yeah, Vertra. And Jormungand is a synonym for uh, for Midgard's owner anyway. Oh, okay. That's true. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, all right, let's talk about Nidhogg. Let's talk about uh, the, the battle against Nidhogg. Uh, mm-hmm. So this was, I mean, uh, first of all, a really well-designed fight visually. Super awesome. Yeah, the you oh, know, spectacular. First phase, you're fighting against the dragon. Second phase, you're fighting against sort of like this hybridized version. It, it's it was very reminiscent of the form that Nail Von Darnus takes. Uh, in yeah, and it's in a K-9. very similar thing. So what's going on there? Do you think Ethis is that? I mean, is that? the power of aether in general like is that some specific transformation what what do you think is going on there 
Um, oh, it's kind of difficult to say because, I mean, Nidhogg at this point, his body is destroyed. Nidhogg is technically dead. What we've got is his soul has remained intact and his soul is possessed the body of Estinian um, and caused these sort of mutations and stuff like that. Which, and for which Nidhogg you could to make, actually... Couldn't you make that same argument that that... that uh, Nail was technically tempered by Nail was tempered. Yeah. What was, happened what happened with Nail right is that he died and then he was tempered. Right. Um and and as his ether was sort of dissipating as it happens when you die, Bahamut's kind of looked over it and seen Nail and been like, oh, no, 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 I'm not done with that. And he's kind of grabbed all of this ether as it's like pulling apart. This guy's, you know, dying and his corpse is evaporating and he's like shoved as much of it back together as he can. Mm-hmm. So that's why Nail's so fucked up. Whereas Nidhogg, it seems kind of the reverse, is that Nidhogg is sort of evaporating and then uh, uh, found this... Uh, uh, this sort of vessel in Astinian and has sort of invaded it and then sort of uh, clung onto it. So you'd look at Nail as kind of like a, almost a Frankenstein monster, whereas um, uh, Nidhogg is like a straight up possession. He's a parasite, yes. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, and, and you also had with Nail, you also had a, a sex change in there as well where he mm-hmm. became female once mm-hmm. uh you know how once, does that work uh, yeah and, which is a, a mechanism that i really don't understand at well, all there's 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 two there's two theories for that um that i've seen circling around and apparently you get some hints at it more clearly in uh, in the french version and the the japanese version than you do in the english version okay but it seems that again he's he's dissipating and he doesn't have like a body to be pulled back into so he ends up taking the form of basically what's a strong memory to him uh, a strong memory of you know perhaps a former lover or something like that mm. and the two most prevalent the- theories are either that it's his mother or it's uh brother Monte, who's this uh, warrior woman that he's obsessed with that he named his spear after after he um, defeated her. And there seems to have been some sort of romantic implications there. Interesting. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, so let's... Okay. At the end, you when you defeat Nidhogg, uh, mm-hmm. from a story perspective, you, you end up saving Astinian, uh, mm-hmm. which I thought was... A really poor narrative choice. I look. I I didn't want them to do it when we were leading into it. I was like, if they if they save me, I'm going to be so disappointed because it's going to like it's going to lose so much impact in the moment. It and really, yet the yeah. way that they that that cutscene that we got later of him in the bed and he's talking about this sort of moment of redemption for him and the moment that he's sort of absolved and the moment that he's sort of forgiven Nidhogg and realized that they are sort of one and the same and he he was basically on the way to becoming very much the same kind of thing. I thought that was quite compelling, and I think that I think at the moment that Estinian is still an interesting character to me, and he might still have his uses in future. I but, think um, my first reaction was exactly the same as yours. It was like, come on, come yeah. On, see, I, I, but I think you could have had that exact same revelation in as a, as he he in a death Dies scene. Yeah. Yes, yeah, in a death yeah, scene, right. and and then and then the whole scene has way more impact. Um, yeah, I agree with you. 
I mean, if they if they never end up going back to Estinian as a character, it really is going to feel very pointless to keep him around. It's going to feel very strange. Yeah. yeah, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. But he's wandering. Maybe he'll show up in Alamigo. No. Okay. This is this <laughs> oh. is this is just a Kane callback where the poor tortured dragoon betrays everyone. Then we save him, and then he has to go in exile because of his dishonor. It's a cane Yeah, back. effectively. Effectively. Uh, as cheap as that feels. Uh, <laughs> well, if there's anything that FF14 loves, it's callbacks. Yeah. I, they they could have done it a lot worse. Well, they could have done it a lot worse. I don't know. It does say... It, it screams cheap, especially when you say it out loud like that. Um, <laughs> there was also that scene as we're saving Estinian, as we're going through the process of saving him, where we see our friends that we've lost... Uh, we, see, no. we see, we see you sail. We see no. uh, hearts and farts, and it's this. Ooh, it's, and it's this very, like, like it's this very like. Oh. I've I've seen people on the lore forums uh, refer to it as Deus Ex Heidelin, which I actually love that term. <laughs> well, let's let's just think about let's just think about this for a second. God in Heidelin. Well, God is Heidelin. Right. You know, Heidelin has that prerogative. Right. Right. Well, but at the same time, though, it just made me feel like, are we trying to kill Cell? Are we Gohan? What are we? What's going on here? Like, what? Right, this this scene actually made me really excited, and I'll explain why. There is a reason why Yazelle should be able to persist in some form after death, and that is because she possesses the Echo. And uh, as we've seen from the Asians, as we've seen from ourselves when we uh, do those sort of transcendent cutscenes where we enter the live stream and stuff like that, is effectively our soul will stay persistent it'll stay intact it won't deteriorate uh after death or or outside of the body so as soon as i saw that scene i was like all right yeah yazelle she's doing the obi-wan kenobi thing uh she has the right to do that given that she has the echo but hang on does orsha Fong have the echo here what's going on here yeah and then you think back to orsha Fong being this uh this real sort of empathetic and and kind of pragmatic and forward-thinking character amongst this sea of intolerant and, and ignorant ish guardians if you look back at his narrative and think of him as someone possessing the echo and someone who had the potential of perhaps one day becoming a warrior of light himself um i think i think that makes his character even more interesting than it already is i yeah, hadn't thought I, of that no he's right the thing about like when yeah, you go to corthus everyone there is very much get away from me and he is just this lone person who's like oh no, see you. Come on, let's hang out instantly yeah exactly. no, I, I i get it i get it but at the same time, it also feels like, oh, geez, everyone we run into that is a major NPC has the Echo. Mm-hmm. And Hildebrand. You know what I mean? Like, Not that no, many I, people have the Echo. Actually, no, I think it's... come on. Who's I, got the Echo? Who's got the Echo? Let's let's give a list of characters that we we've know heard for 100% sure. have the Echo. Yasale mm-hmm. and Menphilia. Yasale, Menphilia, uh, well, uh, Possibly Orshifan. Unkahali, whatever the hell his name is. Unukalhai. Yeah, yeah. Unukalhai. He, wow. that's, that's four characters. Okay. So so we're saying Come that on. out of all of the well, entire that, population of the world, Heidelin has chosen yeah. four people to be her chosen ones. Possibly Horshifan. Possibly, possibly Horshifan. So that's a possible yeah. fifth. I mean, I, but that's maybe. the thing. Maybe when one, di- maybe when one <laughs> dies, she picks you, a new one. But if you can retcon the shit... You know what I mean? Like, what's 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 to stop what's to stop that 
filthy Roganin lady from being a fucking, that's you know, having the echo. What? Look, excuse me. You talking about Moonbrita? You better not be talking about Moonbrita. I am talking about Moonbrita. Moonbrita. Doesn't ring a bell. She's been dead for quite a while. I think she's safely dead. But that's what I'm saying. Like, if you can, if you can retcon the shit in, like, okay, no, no, okay, retconning anything. I think I, I think the reason why harsher fonts hearts and farts is there is just a lot a lot a lot simpler. He is a holy knight. He can do things like that because he's holy. Uh, okay, I haven't seen that cutscene since I did it. Can anyone else remember? Did he have the hole in his chest when he responded when he was there? I always just kind of figured it was like our memories or something. That's what I kind of thought. I just thought like, oh look, yeah, we're seeing people who are like important it. to us. Actually, no. Oh, yeah, that's, that's just no, it's even better than that. It's another callback to Final Fantasy IV at the very end <laughs> oh, no. when Tella oh, comes back it. and appears as a vision. God well, it's the same know. thing at the end of FF7 Advent Children when you see Aerith and Zack. Like, I feel like it's, that's why I thought it was maybe just like your people that you just know they're watching over you from the afterlife. It's closure. Closure. Why? Why do I need well, that? I needed closure for why you, you Sale, because closure? you never actually see her body. I, I needed proof that she was dead. I didn't believe I, it. Oh my God. But I did She's not know that those two, char- those two oh. characters, those two characters had enough closure in their narrative. Like, I don't not, think that no, that she just blew yeah. up. Yeah. And it was real. Yeah, that was one of the was, only, that was one yeah, of was the beautiful. only truly emotional parts of the entire expand of maybe the entire game for me. The, the mm-hmm. sale death, the way that they presented that, that got me so much more than the hearts and farts so much more than anything else. Like you really, really like I, I felt that one. And that was surprising for me that's because a, I, that's really funny because I did not feel that at all. Like really, I only felt that, it for Orsha font. After that cutscene, I wasn't even like I was like, oh, okay, she got hit, whatever. And I didn't, didn't really, it didn't hit me that she was actually dead. Mm, okay. I think, that's why I didn't mm. think there was enough closure with her. I think I'm okay with some them showing up. Needed closure. I think I think some people needed closure, and I understand why they put it in there. At the same time, in here, I I hear what you're trying to say, basically that. It, it, it feels it doesn't feel super compelling when characters die now because you're just like well are they really dead like it doesn't really hit you and you you don't you, we're not trusting the narrative to leave these people dead the reason I think I'm okay primal echoed hearts and farts less than three <laughs> primal echoed hearts the reason I'm okay with seeing them there is because those are the two characters in this story arc who gave their lives for the cause of ending the dragon song war that's why it made sense for to, I think to see them mm-hmm. At the end of the Dragon Song, it War. just it felt heavy-handed in terms. of... I would agree, I but a lot of so. I think a lot of Final Fantasy storytelling is very heavy-handed. Uh, yes, it, <laughs> I I I don't disagree with that, but I mean, it just felt a, a little unnecessarily heavy-handed. I think mean, like, fantasy. Remember them? Ah, see, they were things. You they know, like, died and they died <laughs> for the cause. Yeah, but I feel like, and, so and but it's not just Final Fantasy. In so many stories, like you see your previous friends as you're remembering them and pulling strength from their memory. Like it's a thing. It's a narrative 
of choice. That's not just a yeah. thing. Like Harry Potter does it too. Everything does it. No, like I know. You, I know. You know it's, I, it's, I, it's, recently, I didn't think it was over. It's the genre. It's the genre. It's fantasy. It's a touchstone of fantasy. I, yeah, but I, I, again, I just, I think it was a little bit heavy handed there. I, I, just I would like, agree. I just like how like every like scion that's died came back in that cutscene just to give you that last push. Yeah. 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 Well, mm-hmm. and, and there was, you know, <laughs> someone had actually on this point, somebody had made a good point on uh, the official lore forums. They had said, you know, when we defeated La Habrea, that you saw mm-hmm. every goddamn NPC in Eorzea that, you mm-hmm. know, and they, they it's so like. Did Wait, they? Did? did they? Yeah. Yeah. The last cut. I actually have screenshots of it. Literally every NPC that's ever helped you appeared. Yeah. Jesus. And you're because you got a freaking spirit bomb him. That's yeah. how you beat La Habra. Exactly. Yeah. 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 So, it, it could be something like that. I I will I will give it that. But See, again, I do I, I still think we're that giving the giving the powers to Goku, aka us, exactly, to win. Yeah. So it okay. Makes sense. No. It's a fantasy. Uh, right, let's go to my least one. my least favorite part of that ending fight. The yeah. eyes. Oh, yeah. Let's so dumb. Let's talk this about this. Yeah. Who did not scream at their computer screen during that moment? Yeah. It's like, oh, yeah, what? We will scream so, together, but we're supposed to. So, yeah, well, I, <laughs> I mean, yes, I know, because they do set it up with the, the Warriors of Darkness, but that is something that everyone, universally, everyone from the forums to on this show, uh, it, it, no one liked that. No one liked the idea of ju- who takes something that powerful and just chucks it off of a fucking bridge. <laughs> like we don't know who lives down all. there, right? So yeah, well, we take the eyes, we I, throw I, them off see, a bridge. I thought it was a void, but really, it's just Kruthis, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just yeah. a chasm. Yeah, you can. <laughs> Which you, can makes, you can just fly down there and chasm. get them. Hmm. Yeah, you can fly down there and get them. Just but let's let's think, rope, let's think about rope, the motivation. Rope, rope is like a really easy invention. Okay, no, no, <laughs> just say it. There's not enough rope in the world to go down that far. Yes, there is. <laughs> Sorry. Anyway, let's think about why we threw them, though. Why did we throw them? Because you were going to get possessed. Yeah, because they okay. they could end up possessing yeah. you. Yeah, we've because just killed Sauron. We've just killed Sauron, and we've gone. Oh shit! Hot potato. Gandalf's holding the ring. Let's get that out of his hands. Okay. Well, wait, 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 wait. This wait, is into a volcano. Yes, exactly. This is a chasm you can fly down. If this is yes. a molten hot volcano, I'd say okay. This we it, it would it would be like it would be like defeating Sauron and taking the one ring and pitching it into the marsh of the dead because yeah. you, that's not going to do anything. Give it to Gollum. Here you go, man. <laughs> yeah. Just like here, you have it, it. Right. Right. But it yeah. wasn't a rational decision. It was a panic. It was quick get rid of them because last time they were that close they like possessed that, someone Just, and now the closest victim them. is the warrior of fucking light I am the warrior of light I can hold one eye and give the other eye to someone else okay I'm a, I'm a badass you, don't we hold one of the eyes at some point yeah, yeah. Estinian actually holds one of the eyes for being the Azur Dragoon Azur Dragoon is the guardian of one and like the actual Azur Dragoon doesn't become possessed like, that's except true. For I'll, look, I'll give know, it to you guys situation. that is stupid. I'll give it to you guys that's absolutely stupid. But can you concede why the panic was real? Yes. I didn't feel sure. like my character okay. was panicking. I thought there was a complete moment where I thought it over in my head and still chucked them over. I think the frustrating like, bit is you know that what? like your I first to stomp on them. Your yeah, first thought is like, let's throw it, but like. These are our care, our representation in the world. So that's why it's frustrating when everyone in the world is like, no. Like, why can't we just it? cast flare on them? Like why? Look, why second, not try to? The second them? thing is that these eyes, these eyes are totally empty, 
There's the, the Nidhogg's soul has departed. We watched that. There is only one thing that could possibly be left in these eyes, and that is the remaining bits of La Habrea. There's nothing oh, else in there. Maybe that's why the Warriors of Darkness want them. They're drained. That's that well that's why they had to pitch him in the void, because we need to be thinking about La Habrea and oh, maybe La Habrea's not dead either. Maybe he's still in the eye. Oh, but God. we saw the eyes, they turned dull. We saw all of Nidhogg's spirit dissipating. He's gone. He's done. As far as we're concerned, at the moment, they're just chunks of rock. Oh my God, I got it. So basically, this is how we solve the Asian problem. Hashtag. Mm-hmm. We take, mm-hmm. we just get more dragon eyes, and we mm-hmm. we set them down, and we eat them. No, no, even better. <laughs> we find, we have Sid create some kind of like um, packs that go on our backs, and they shoot lasers, and we zap mm-hmm. the Asians into the eyes, and then we put the eyes into a containment center. Mm-hmm. In New York. Mm-hmm. What if and we cross the streams, though? Don't cross the streams! <laughs> Jesus Christ! This is so obvious. This is what? the best idea ever. I think I think that they would have avoided a lot of the criticism if mm-hmm. after it happened, there was mm-hmm. a, a dialogue that was like, well, that may not well, that was be good. That was dumb. <laughs> Why did we do that? We shouldn't have done like, that. Like an acknowledgement Oops. by your character, like maybe that was a little bit short-sighted. But Wait. no, like, but the, the thing is, is that your character hawks them off and then you're like, mm-hmm. good job, guys. Let's go home. Congratulations <laughs> go. on the yeah, Dragon Song just, War being yeah. over. But if there was a comment <laughs> that it was stupid, you could just fly down and get them and then destroy them. No, but I'm just like, if like, that. as we're like waiting for a Stinian to recover, if like, just somehow, um, not Alf, you know, what's Imer, if Imer's just like, oh yeah, we, uh, we send someone down to go grab those eyes and put them into a containment bay or something. <laughs> Remember where we found Sephiroth? We're going to put the eyes there. Yeah. Like we've, we've got people mm-hmm. like Sid, like it does seem like there should be someone like working on like, maybe we should get those back. Like, I don't know. That's just mm-hmm. not just leaving them down there is maybe not the best idea. Okay. So who, uh, who told us to. To throw did, the eyes down. Did tell us Emmerich, that? That was Emmerich. Emmerich was, Emmerich was freaking out. I mean, so clearly, them into the void. Emmerich mm. is the bad guy. He's got corrupted somehow. Yeah, he, what if he's possessed uh, and didn't want us to destroy mm-hmm. them? Ooh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Actually, that'd be that, great. That's awesome if that's the case. That if he's I working never, with the Warriors of Darkness, <laughs> that's amazing. I actually did not consider that, yeah. That is not going to no, happen. No, that could fuck right off. No, no. That's, no didn't no, uh, Amrick no, say to his uh, his little girlfriend just to follow his lead mm-hmm. no matter what happens? Yeah. Then, then. Amrick may not be That's who true. we think he is, a.k.a. Ilbert part two. Oh, God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> Asshole. Judging out. Do you like how he starts with a really agreeable, interesting point and then goes to that? I I got. Hang on. I I got. I got to roll. Ilbert from the start. I got to. I got to roll that back. I thought you were actually like making a joke that. Oh yeah, he is Ilbert. Ha ha ha. He's no, literally he's just a version 2.0. <laughs> no. Judging how all 3.0 is going, I highly doubt that's going to happen. Mm-hmm. If he's like Ilbert, his game is a lot longer than Ilbert's. Well, Ilbert was very smart. I mean, he's Alamegan. Come on, they're not. Exactly By the way, yeah, Ilbert was very transparent the whole way through. Yeah. Nika, I'd just like to point out that, as I said, we never got that drink, did we? No. No, we didn't. <laughs> what did I tell you was going to happen? Uh, so, <laughs> so this, I, I think that the way that the story ends kind of leaves a lot of questions about like the continuing relations between us and the dragons because we still mm-hmm. fight the shit out of them in fates and in dungeons and stuff like that so mm-hmm. it does kind of 
put in a weird like well, we still need our loots in the Mughal quest you work together to restore the ruins mm-hmm. that's true but aren't um, the I've, got, I've, got, I've got a couple of things I can say about this. Firstly, the dragons we're still finding are the remnants of, of Nidhogg's brood. Yeah. And if you're worried about my immersion, then um, just pretend that they're the, the dissidents that are left that you're mopping up, I guess, when you're running through the mist or whatever. Secondly, in terms of moving forward with Grace Velga's brood, if you do the, the victory lap quests, yeah. Um, I don't know if you guys have done that yet. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. there's this really interesting there's this really interesting scene uh, when you go and uh, and speak with Tiamat again, um, and uh, uh, Midgardzimo says something basically to the effect of, "Hey, you know, Tiamat, look at what man's trying to do now," um, and it is my hope that man and dragon will be creating a bulwark against the dark. Mm. Now, what I've been saying a lot recently is, I hope that the Dragon Song War doesn't spell the end of our relationship with the brood of Horace Velga. It's not something right. that just falls, um, you know, into the into the background. That characters like uh, Vidofnir and Vitafolnir are still going to be important. I think that Horace Velga's brood are going to be critical moving into 4.0 and moving against Garlemald. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, it's I, I mean, it's possible, uh, but I, so now I mean, we have dragon cavalry. Yeah, like I, I, I guess I didn't, I didn't even really consider that because it seemed like our march toward Alamigo and and our fight with the Garleans was so disconnected from everything that was happening in Corthus. And well, the thing is that if you speak to Vidofnir uh, about the Asians. Uh, she's she's quite interested in the Asians, and she sort of feels the same way that we do, that they're the ones that are behind everything. And as far as someone uh, with the lifespan of a dragon is concerned, it's not about politics. It's about good versus evil. Hmm. They have the same kind of the perspective. The Asians are the one who tricked and fucked up Tiamat and Bahamut anyway. Exactly. Exactly. They don't see. They don't see. You know these petty kind of political squabbles that, for them, go past in the in the blink of an eye between humans. They say this. They see this battle between you know Heidel and 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 the agents of Zodiac, hmm. and that's what Vidofni is going to want to get involved with, and that's what Horace Velga's brood is going to be motivated to help us with. I got to feel what like motivated Midgard someone to help us. I right. like, there's probably some bad blood between Midgard someone with the whole Agrius thing and the Garleans, right? I mean. <laughs> Yeah, probably still oh, yeah. mad about the that. Did take Midgard down? Yeah, I like, feel like they they would probably be willing to go really attack. Seem to hold a grudge though. He doesn't no. really seem to hold a grudge. That's what I say. Is after three point three? Are we kind of going to be done talking to Midgard Stormer? I, I don't know. I he's still not. hanging out with us, isn't he? Yeah, I like when I he just he shows up and, head, and says something really snarky to me. Mm. I'm really hoping that we're going to get a keeper of the lake hard at some point. That'd be cool. Yeah, because I, I, I would really like to go back and get some, uh, you know, clarify some stuff with uh, with Midgar Somer. You know, that could be like the press or the like the start of like the very first like hard mode uh, dungeon revamping that could be part of a story. I, I would mm-hmm. like that. I would like to see that because uh, I think that I'm not sure what would send us back there, mind you, because um, the reason why the Imperials were there is they were stripping parts and uh, and you know salvaging things mm-hmm. to help build their new big flagship, the one that we have in Azaslar now. 
Um, I'm just not sure it would motivate us to go back well, there. Because, uh, well, before we didn't actually have a relationship with, uh, you know, with... Um, Mick Garsomer. Mick Garsomer, yeah. Mm-hmm. So now that now that we actually do and there's a dialogue between us and Mick Garsomer, that could mm-hmm. be the impetus. Maybe his eyes. Maybe his eyes are maybe, still there. And he's maybe. like, yo, I need you guys to, like... <laughs> We're going to grab his those, eyes and yeah, just throw yeah, him in the yeah. lake. Force of yeah, we're gonna, no, what we're gonna do is yeah we're gonna get, get on the, stage of the, the warriors of light are just now like traumatized by eyes so we get like aramin eyes like oh thanks like, ah! <laughs> oh, oh, oh jesus uh i like shaped foods right. like peel a lychee for you and you're just like oh. uh so all right that that's pretty much the dragon song war uh it looks like the next focus in terms of a narrative is probably going to be Warring Triad. We'll get to that in a second, but I think I think that the most some of the most interesting lore so far has come out of Weeping City of Macaque. Oh, oh, oh. And oh, no doubt. And, and uh, did, I, did I just hear an Ethis boner? I think I think he just came. You 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 heard Chubba the Dragon being extended by fifty <laughs> seconds, my friend. So Weeping City of Macaque happens in Macaque. <laughs> uh, happens in uh, the Yafim Saltmoor, which Yafim Saltmoor. Yes, that is uh, to mm-hmm. the northwest of Mordona, and actually right. the river that we get rushed away by that's the river that ends up flowing into silver tier falls correct uh yeah i mean yeah a tributary does go through silver tier falls ultimately what that river does the white maiden it starts up i i guess with uh snowfalls or whatever in a blathia's spine and it sort of winds down south to uh the strait of melthor uh which is just across from uh from vilbrand which is the obviously and just before it gets to the coast it snakes off into this um delta yeah and at the end of the delta is a great big fucking pyramid what does that make you think of oh. <laughs> the illuminati Oh, no. <laughs> so, so when we get to the uh, when we get to the Weeping City, it is mm-hmm. completely destroyed. It is obviously mm-hmm. n- n- the inhabitants of the city are long mm-hmm. gone. And mm-hmm. so, you know, w- we have no real sense about what destroyed that city outside of possibly the awesome. flood that happened mm-hmm. uh, during the, the, the War of the Magi. So Ozma eats mm-hmm. cities. Well, but it doesn't seem... I mean, if Ozma was going to eat it, I think it would be a little bit... It would be a little bit more like Nim. No. You, no, no. Ozma, Ozma hasn't gotten in on that. Yeah, because since Ozma's housed there, I don't think that... Mm-hmm. I, th- I think you would have seen more damage to the pyramid, to mm-hmm. the place that it's housed. It, it, it wouldn't have been... Mm-hmm. In the exterior, because all the mm-hmm. run up to the pyramid is all destroyed. Mm-hmm. Like we're, we first start in the marsh, in the marshlands, mm-hmm. and uh, we encounter the first boss, Arachne Eve, right around where mm-hmm. the ship crashes. Uh, mm-hmm. Tits McGee's cr- ship crashes over to the side. You can kind of see mm-hmm. the flaming wreckage, but 
Arachne Eve has been there for a long time. And it's not until we get into the river, the river takes us down into what looks like the city proper before we get that's right to the pyramid. So I, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm I'm curious what destroyed the city proper. I'm guessing that it's the flood associated. Yes. Uh, uh, OK. All right. Yeah. Um, because it, it's it's interesting. We're talking though. about we're talking about no ordinary flood here. We're talking yeah. about. Uh, I, I mean, it's it's literally it's it's the it's the biblical flood. It's you know, years and years of rain without reprieve. You right. you find the area before we reach Iraq Naive. It's called the Dry Road. Okay, and what that kind of says to me is that. The city's being flooded and they're trying to build infrastructure to compensate for this flooding um, until they finally get to the point where they're like, oh, my God, this is going to consume the whole world. We need to build a giant fucking airship and get the hell out of here. Yeah, because it was it, it, it was the uh, Mackay that built the void arc to avoid yes. the flood. And so that's yes, that's actually kind of. That's an interesting theory that they had built their civilization upward to try to compensate for it first mm-hmm. before saying, mm-hmm. oh, shit, this is a problem. We need to build that void arc. But what yes. what I'm curious about is why there doesn't seem to be any destruction on the pyramid. Once we get into the pyramid, it's a very pristine structure and it does not mm-hmm. seem to be damaged in any way, shape or form. And I wonder how it was able to get to the other side of the flood without uh, sustaining damage like that. Maybe I'm looking too much into it. Maybe I'm reading too much into it, but I think I think it's because it was designed to house it's it's basically like the presidential bunker, you know what I mean? Like it's sure. just, it's it's a really important piece of kit. It's housing two super weapons, and they're going to build it out of much sturdier stuff than they're building the city. Why couldn't they just all hide in there? Why couldn't they all just hide in there? That's, that's I don't want to hide very, next to Ozma. <laughs> Maybe that's they did in the question. coffins. Maybe I they- assume I assume it's because the void arc was about either trying to find a new life somewhere else hmm. or about putting them in stasis in orbit or something and then coming back it, once the flood had, had receded. Yeah, it might have been like it very well might have been sort of like their last refuge until void arc. And, and let's be real. There, there were there was at least one Marky mage who stayed in the pyramid. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so uh, we do know that the Makai were an extremely hostile nation. Mm-hmm. They mm-hmm. openly waged war on Nim and Ampador. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it, they sent uh, Batoso to Nim to turn the Nimians right. into Tonberries. We think mm-hmm. that they also sent Diabolos into Amdapur, where he then got. Yeah, that's what they sealed. Did. Yeah, where he yep. then got sealed the down in Amador, and mm-hmm. um, and and of course also created the Void Arc to avoid the flood calamity, which in a lot of ways they were responsible for causing. So, Absolutely. So uh, it's it's really interesting to see because you're right. Um, it, you know, it went in the bosses. You've got. Ozma, which is straight up a weapon, and then you've also mm-hmm. got, along with uh, Califistri, the Null Stone, which is uh, mm-hmm. e- sort of like an oh shit panic button uh, that mm-hmm. will obliterate Void Sense. So y- mm-hmm. you've got you've got two 
ostensibly weapons, one protector in there, uh, Califistria. Uh, I'm, I'm assuming that's who you were uh, talking about in the mage that stayed yes. behind. Yes. Uh, yes. So, so the story that's being told in our run up, I mean, you know, outside of Tits McGee and her whole, thi- her, her whole thing, but that Arachne, even Forgal, the first two bosses mm-hmm. that we fight are mm-hmm. not like it's it's not like Arach- they're not with the Maki. Yeah, no, they're not yeah, defending the city. Exactly. Yeah, they're not. Def- they're mm-hmm. trying to get in and access Ozma and mm-hmm. and get access to the Null Stone, just as mm-hmm. we are. And it seems like we're coming up behind them and going, "Hi, poke, poke, we're here too." Yeah, and yeah, they're going, "Oh exactly shit!" Yeah. So um, let's let's first talk about Arachne Eve uh, because Ooh. there's a lot <laughs> of really interesting lore behind Arachne yes. Eve. Yeah. I um I actually did a long uh, a long video on Iraq. Very good video, recently. really good. Yeah. Oh, thank you, thank you. That's very You're flattering. Um, <laughs> so she's she's an Alligan. She's an Alligan Chimera. Um, we know that the Alligans were experimenting with synthetic void scent. Uh, if you have a look at uh, Arachne Web or Arachne Velveteen, these are items that we've had for quite a while that you can currently uh, trade for grand company seals and uh, use to build a whole bunch of different pieces of kit. Um, yeah, they explicitly say that they come from the chimerical Alban monstrosity, Arachne. So we have clues at this narrative of this 5,000-year-old monster that has survived the death of Alag, that has survived, uh, you know, another two and a half thousand years uh and somehow wound up in the yafam salt mall yeah and and how she ended up there is a big question mark big Mm -hmm. big question mark uh we don't Mm -hmm. know if she had come with forgal or maybe let forgal through with an agreement but when Mm -hmm. she dies she does say that she has to tell for a goal, just a one for a goal. So we know that right. they're on the same side, right? Yeah, there I is like, an alliance. I, I really, I like to think of her like Shellob. I like to think of her as as having been in the Yafam Saltmore when the Marquis show up, and them being, you know, kind of like Sauron and reaching this sort of agreement with her, and she ends up becoming, you know, their their door bitch or whatever, um, and she outlives them as well. Mm-hmm. And then when Forgo comes along and is like, hey, we want to get this thing. We're going to mess some shit up. She's like, sweet. <laughs> Let's so do it. When it when it talks about these items having come from the monstrous Alagon Chimera, Arachna, is that is Arachna different mm-hmm. than Arachna Eve? Um, I think we can assume that they're one and the same, either that Arachne Eve is one of the Arachnes or that it is literally just her. Yeah, putting Eve either, on the end of it way. always to me makes it sound like it's a spawn of Arachne to me. Mm-hmm. Eve, Eve to also, me is like the, you know, like the day before a holiday. It's not like maybe well, it was a prequel. Maybe it was one of the early. Um, well, that's the thing. The early experiments. Arachne, yeah, and Eve being uh, you know ostensibly uh, as far as um, you know anyone but the uh, well, well, any Christian tradition but the Catholics believe. Yeah, uh, that's the first, the first woman. Second. Um, yeah, so it's more likely. But Woody, yeah, Woody's I mean, technically right. <laughs> Woody's technically right. Technically, second Lilith was first. So thank yeah, you. Lilith was first. Asshole. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So so I think it's more likely that she's the first. She's the prototype. Mm-hmm. And if there are others, then she's not a child of them. She has 
outlived all of them. Yeah, I so was, she's a fascinating character. Yeah, yeah, I was gonna say. Uh, I was also gonna agree with the Adam and Eve thing. Uh, mm. So after we defeat Arachne, even and, and and it's also not it's also not clear how long she's been there either. Mm-hmm. Uh, she could have been there since before the Makai. Uh, she could have also taken up residence after the flood was finished yeah, too. she could have so that's true she could have uh, but we do know that that um her webbing is pretty much the thing that was responsible for tits mcgee's ship going down pretty safe yes. pretty safe to say so. <laughs> uh all right so Forgal is the next enemy that we get to um which mm-hmm. is uh it, 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 there's He's not- a servant of scuffuck Oh, okay. All right. So and, we have, and we've we've encountered g- we've encountered them before because uh, yes. um, what's the Voidoc. Yes. What's what's the boss's name? C- Cthulhu? 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 Yeah. Cthulhu yeah, is also another servant. Of- yeah, that's right. And we have a very clear, uh, I guess, uh, pattern of naming conventions with Scathic's uh, minions. So Scathic Queen Scathic uh, is a character from the, the Ulster cycle of Irish mythology, which centers around the hero Cuchulain. But uh, a lot of these names for Dyad, uh, Cuchulain, obviously, and uh, and Forgal. Are, are names from this myth that involves Queen Scarthug. Right, right. Uh, I want to talk about his character model here for just a second, Taser Smurf, uh, in the chat, mm-hmm. saying that it looked a bit like Pandemonium Warden. We've seen some of these character sure. models, some of these character models before in uh, FF11, but I, mm-hmm. I, I, I find it, I like this character model a lot um, because it, you know, you've got the. You've got the ball that it's sitting on that is uh, floating around, and I, I for some reason, I always, these things always really creep me out. Like, really creep me out. <laughs> it's really unsettling. It really fucking whatever is. that goopy thing is. Yeah, yeah. I I don't know. No, I, I feel you, dude. I I don't know. I I don't know what it is about it, but it, it does. It, it gets some base reaction to me. And then when when he's charging up the big move while you've got the three ads, that is the Mega ball death. that he's sitting on, right? Like, that's, oh yes, yeah yeah, 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 yeah. So I mean, I I'd be curious what to know a little bit more about the item that he's using to fight you. But uh, yeah, I, I very interesting uh, interesting enemy. And uh, where do you think that we're? Are we gonna end up? confronting Queen Scothok or... Oh, no doubt. Yeah, no doubt. you think Queen, so? Queen Scothok is our new uh, Cloud of Darkness. I'll be very disappointed. Oh, so that's... that. I think that... That's who's in the big coffin. She's going to be the last boss of the next yeah, one. Yeah, okay. Yeah, she's the one that was in the big coffin. I reckon uh, our final romp through... Uh, I'm, I'm assuming... Or I'm... Oh, well, I don't think I should assume at this point. I want it to be Dunscaith. Uh, which is her fortress of shadows. Um, I want the second last boss to be Diabolos, and then I want to fight the the big queenie herself. Juxta, will you help me kill Queen Skullfuck? <laughs> uh, yes, <laughs> but I'm going to disagree with Ethis here. I think everything is pointing towards us going to the moon and fighting on the Guardian oh, Space God, Station. I- <laughs> <laughs> the worst. Um, it's- Again, bringing back these fucking 2015 bits and bits. <laughs> right? You say, you say bringing back like he doesn't mention it every week. Yeah, we've never let it die in the first place. Seriously. Oh. Uh. 
Uh, oh, keeping the flame alive. I love you guys. Right. One <laughs> one offhanded comment by a moron, and it just spawns a running joke for years. <laughs> well, yeah. Wait, who's the, am I the moron here? No. No, that would be Scurro. No, that would have been Scurro. Scurro mentioned a Garlean space station, and I swear I wanted to drown him in a tub. <laughs> um, Still do. Don't get us wrong. Yeah, right. But that's just, you know. For different reasons. Yeah, exactly. They're gonna. Essie's going to put it in a name at the SS Screw You and Nero. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> I, if, if, I, if I did that, my life would be complete. I could probably die happy. At <laughs> um, so, but here's, okay, so int- here's the interesting thing. We, we, you know, we've got Forgal, we've got Kahulin, uh, mm-hmm. you know, we've got some of these, these basically these, uh, these minions of Queen Skullfuck. I like that. I'm going to use that Queen Skullfuck. I like that. That's <laughs> and so, um, what is the connection with Diabolos and with, um, now I can't remember his name. We we kind of call we refer to him as Kafka. Skuro is a lot like the sun. For diet. big round, for diet, hard that's to look it, at. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> for diet is another one. Thank you, Warswine. Cycle. Diabolus. That's that's a a more you know obvious one. Um, not Irish. Diabolus is not Irish, as far as I know. <laughs> um, yeah, it's interesting. Basically, what's what's happened with uh, Skathak's troop, as far as I've gleamed, is that it's this group of Void Scent that has been, I guess, like incidentally brought together as uh, slaves of the Marquis, uh, and they just haven't let it go. Hmm. You think we're going to get a gauntlet battle against, you know, we're, we'll do uh, Kahulin and then we'll do uh, Forgal. You know, sort of no. sort of like it, 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 like they did in Alexander. Even better. Mm. Have them all come at us at once. Oh. They're void sent, man. Oh, that would be cool. Mm. That would be very That would be cool. pretty cool. Well, would be very yeah, cool. I mean, there's, there's no reason. Might. I like it. The thing, the thing is... To, to create a portal to, like, bring something like Kahulin back into our world, that's what Zande was doing, right? right? He was trying to create this portal that these massively powerful Void Scent could come back and forth through. Pulling pulling a Void Scent like Kahulin out of the Void is a big, big fucking deal. Like, causing a calamity by channeling Dalamud into the Crystal Tower and destroying everything big. Like, it's no small feat. Well, then, so, if, I mean, I, I, I yeah. would... I would say that that you know the, all of the plans to get Queen Skullfuck back into action is is mm-hmm. along those lines. So, yeah, I, yeah, I, I see your is. point. I, th- I think she's. I think we're gonna do like a reverse World of Darkness with her. I think that um, rather than trying to like pull a bit of Aorzia into the void, she's gonna be f- pulling her bit of the void into Aorzia. Uh, okay. Okay. And I think that that's you, you, that big like tower we see in the in the concept art that the void arc sort of hovering above. Um, I'm taking that to be her fortress of shadows, Dunscaith. Uh, again, that comes from the Irish. That's where Queen Scarthank hangs out. I think she's going to be trying to pull that out of the void and sort of anchor it in in Aeorzea, somewhere in the in the Sea of Clouds. That's a bold theory. Where? Okay, so somewhere in the Sea of Clouds, like. It, it would mm. be interesting if they did that. Like, how would that be represented uh, in in the map? Like, in the actual map? Like, what would change? Where would the zone line be? How would that change the map? Like, I I think it would be interesting. Like, if they put it as its own, you know, if it if, if they like ripped. It'd be nice if it was visible. Yeah, in the same I way agree. That the void arc became void arc, visible yeah, first. So the way the way I see it 
you know how the void does that big uh, like ethereal tear sort of thing yes. that opens into the void I can imagine them doing something like that yeah. just having like this gaping wound and just like pulling this sort of island up that would be it. that would be very cool and and like intrinsically Final Fantasy too yeah. we're gonna get our yeah. own Final Messia castle I was yeah. gonna say that sounds like a Final yeah. Fantasy 8 callback oh, sure it does, does doesn't it yeah. uh, if you guys are not gonna do that I think isn't there Yoshi you can have that isn't there still a spot in Aziz La that has mm-hmm. a that we thought has a potential to be a eventual dungeon area and at the bottom Dude, of Aziz La? So oh, there's, there's so a lot in there. Yeah. yeah, everywhere. Yeah, there's Aziz La is packed. It's so loaded. Yeah, there there is. There's I mean, there's little nooks and crannies where you can find all kinds of stuff. Yeah, they really built that zone to have a lot of possibilities into yeah. it. A lot of Gucci's Nazis Law. Yeah, yeah. Uh so let's talk about Ozma. We finally got to the point uh where everyone actually struggles in the dungeon. This was the one that it was everyone such, dies once. It was such a cool presentation, by the way, and and so visually well done and stunning. Most hug groups I found Beautiful. actually died to the Beautiful. lack of the zombie mechanic from the boss before, not from Ozma. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> really? Yeah, well, most pug groups I've done. It's because the Mega Death is just such a, such a tank mechanic, and if the tank sucks and keeps the boss right next to the puddles, there's nothing you can do. That is true. Yeah, if you got bad mm-hmm. tanks, you're really going to st- struggle on Forgal. Uh, yeah, so Ozma, we had said earlier, uh, used as a weapon to destroy cities. Yeah, it's a super weapon. Yeah. And so. Ethis, tell us about. Uh, it, there's this really cool moment in mm-hmm. the in the Ozma fight where we get sucked mm-hmm. into a black hole, and mm-hmm. we and we fight, you know, in this other place. Uh, mm-hmm. it, what's what is what is After up with a that? Long oh. hiatus. Wow. I'm back, Whoa. bitches. Whoa. Also, WTF is with the Patreon totals, fellow listeners. Wow, Mary Kennett tossing in two. Hundred dollars, Miri. Miri, welcome Ooh. back. Thank you, son of a bitch. Thank you so much, Miri. Thank Check you. Check your Patreon messages. Yeah, uh, <laughs> Patreon. By the way, uh, you guys uh, sitting over at uh, Patreon.com/slash Limit Break Radio. Our totals are sitting at eighteen ninety eight. So we're oh almost, my god, almost wow, almost back above two thousand guys. God, oh, thank hey. you, thank you, Ethos. Almost back above two thousand. We do want to see it above two thousand to be able to continue to make Final Encounter Cast weekly. So while Miri was bringing it up, there's a plug: patreoncom slash radio. Let's talk about what is inside. I, I guess inside What's of inside Ozma. Ozma, yeah. What is uh, yeah inside like, the glory hole? The glory <laughs> hole. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's, f- it's one of the cities that it's been in. Like, <laughs> it's right? Nim. It's Nim. It's Central Nim. If you have a look uh, below the uh, the Atomos uh, mobs that we fight, mm-hmm. you see the symbol of Oshin, the warden, who is the patron of Nim. You look around you; it's all Nimian architecture. It's the same the same textures that you see uh, in uh, uh, Bronze Lake and uh, around uh, the Wanderer's Palace. It yeah. is Nim. It is Nim. I will not accept it being anything other than Nim. I'm absolutely convinced on this one. So what has happened, right, uh, in terms of the, the invasion of Nim? So Nim is renowned for having these these military genius scholars, right. having a very small standing army, but these absolute genius scholars. We've sent in this invisible void scent to give all of these scholars this horrible plague that turns them into tonberries, right? Right. 
So we've crippled their uh, their sort of military stratagem, and then we've taken this giant fucking black hole and just drifted it across the center of their city. Yeah. It's, it um, is. I feel like one or the other would have been sufficient to wipe them out. <laughs> right? But that's what the Marquis are all about. They're all about the overkill, and that's why we got a calamity out of it. They're just fucking horrible little potatoes. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it is really. Wait, are they all Lalafell? Do we know that? Um, no, they're not all. I, I, they're probably not all Lalafell. They probably are all Lalafell. <laughs> now that you think about it, that does have, they have genocide written all over them. Well, Look, but I mean, no, I don't we fight I dead really Marquis people? Into it. No, actually, There's, let's let's talk about this, Ethis. What mm-hmm. what can you tell us about the character models of the fallen Makai that we fight? Well, look, it's it's bullshit. The character models of every single undead that we fight everywhere forever, even even from during periods where we know there were no cures in Aeosia, they're all hero models. Every mm-hmm. zombie, uh, all the all the Maki, all of the uh, the Amdapori undead. I, I just don't think we can take anything from looking at, at those undead models. I don't know whether that's an oversight. I don't know whether that's something weird about uh, Umbral Aether or some bullshit. But um, only here can be resurrected. They they really they, they need to. I, I mean, if if they're very specific about where the origins of each race come from, I think that that and they is, are. Yeah, and exactly. I think that that is a huge oversight. Or is it? Or, I think, or I think, there's honestly, a, I think it's an oversight. Yeah, I I, I mean, I'll agree with you. My list for questions that I need to nail code you with in October. It's right at the top of the list. There you go. So I'm gonna get I'm gonna get us an answer for that. I promise. Or. I'm just spitballing here, but maybe this confirms that all hearers are actually zombies and should be eradicated. <laughs> Nico Tays for life. Yeah. Hashtag. Well, I mean, I, I mean, mean it's zombie possible that not all of these episode. races existed in the city, right? So, I mean, maybe they were all here. Hmm. Well, the thing. All right, okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna go into it briefly. Right? <laughs> we have. We have the Belladines, okay, are a race of Lullafells. We know that there were no cures with the Belladines because the Belladines uh, uh, talk about in their history about the first cure immigrants and invaders coming to Eorzea and how they repelled them and fought them off. Now, the Belladines claim to be direct ancestors of the Marquis. So they can't have been descended from any cures, presumably. So so we have that. We have... Uh, the only confirmed names that we have of uh, of uh, Marquis citizens are Shatoto, who cannot be anything but a Lullafell, right? And uh, Califisteri, which is which is very very vague. So I I suspect, and my head canon is that they're all Lullafells, and that this is the origins of the Lullafellian scumbag plague that we see all the way through to Uldar. Uh, that is not confirmed, and they're they're loose ends, and I'm trying to tie them up. Oh, well, if they were the if they were here race. invaders, couldn't the Hears have mm. mated with Lalafels to create the next descendants? Well, not according to Skurro. says you can't do that. Actually, years after after Maki fell. Uh, no, actually, Lalafels do not mate. They're just grown in cabbage patches. Thank yeah, you very much. <laughs> we do. I'm okay. I'm okay with that headcanon. Yes. <laughs> so, <laughs> so going back going back to Ozma. Uh, 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 hold on. Do we really want to move past Lalafell sex? Because Nico yes, brought it up. I absolutely, mean, absolutely. That's not even what I was trying to bring up. But all right, we're gonna go back to the Sultana's lap. We're gonna do another 2015. <laughs> <laughs> that was a good one. That was a good one. That was a good episode. That one. 
That was. That was fun. We didn't Take get a, a walk single on the wild side. <laughs> no so, single complaint. No, we didn't get a single complaint about that episode. Uh, Not one. Yeah, none. No, none. <laughs> um, so, uh, Ozma being used as a weapon to destroy cities, but we're not even really sure what Ozma really is. I mean, it seems like it seems like a link between universes dimensions? or dimensions. Yeah, it's a link between dimensions. So we. Um, the, the way that we've been talking about uh, this whole mission of the Asians at the moment uh, and the, the rejoining or whatever it is that they're calling it. Right. Um, is that uh, we're describing it scientifically as a dimensional collapse. So it's the idea of like taking dimensions that have scattered and sort of folding them back together. So what I think the Marquis have done is either they've discovered this little pocket dimension and they've somehow contained it. Uh, or else they have looked at this kind of theory and gone, well, we could probably make something like that. Hmm. So the the legend that we have around the destruction of Nim, that it was mm. over-aspected wind crystals and Nim just floated off into Never Never Land. I, you know what causes crystals to over-aspect? Blowing the shit out of them. <laughs> Phrasing. That's what causes crystals to overestimate. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, but so they're not mutually exclusive. Well, but in in the floating city of Nim, when you do go there on the map, there are sections of the city that are floating, and they don't look like they've necessarily been ripped out. It was Nim, indeed, a floating city that that the over time the legend of how it got destroyed has just it's been like a big game of telephone hmm. well that's possible um the other thing i've thought of with nim is is it a floating city like you know the churning mists have floating cities or right. is it a floating city like venice is a floating city hmm. ah okay because we know that nim was the foremost uh naval power in the realm at the time so i think it's quite as likely that it's just these floating islands that are you know uh, uh got wind crystals underneath them but yeah you you're, you're quite right and if you look at the floating city of nim as well is if you look over that you see a big fucking crater yeah you see a big fucking osma shaped crater i just want to say <laughs> now I, yeah i actually i'm gonna have to go back and look at that zone because uh mm-hmm. that's 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 definitely really interesting i mean so did they create osma specifically to to destroy Nim, or did they have other enemies? And they, this was more of like a we well, are just going to well, have this yeah, big super weapon on par with a nuke. We don't actually see any evidence of any other destroyed cities. Well, that's that's the thing about super weapons, right? Is you tend to only have to use them once. And you, you know what? That's kind of a good point. That's mm-hmm. kind of a good point. Uh, so when we find Ozma, we obviously find it at the Gloriole, uh, which is sort of, I guess it's it's a docking station for it. It's, it's so much more than that. It's so much more than that. Gloriole in French means vanity. It's a, it's a synonym for vanity, I should say. It doesn't literally mean vanity. And the area below the Gloriole is called the gallery. So what we have here is is a place where the Marquis can go and they can see framed this city that they have consumed and destroyed and just go and check it out. Ha, ha, ha. You know, 
Yeah, yeah, just go and have a so circle jerk around. That is so metal. I, they I have just, a museum for people they've yes, mass murdered. I just, I, yeah. I, and that's the thing is, is I really wanted to drive this home just how terrible as a culture the yeah, Mackay they were. Evil. They, they were evil. terrible, terrible people. They're pretty cool. No, that was that's that's <laughs> awful. Could, they sound very, very, very lollipop. That's it, it, Taleji Adeleji would have had one of those. That's sort of that. That's, Did you say man crush? That's sort of like the crew of the Enola Gay watching, you know, the the Hiroshima footage and jacking yeah, off to exactly. it. It's terrible. That's exactly what it's like. You yeah. know what I mean? Like all, all of those people were guilt ridden after that, and, mm-hmm. and, and you know, like this the was like that was sweet. Yeah, they're just like ha jizz. You know, like it's fuck, man. What an awful, awful culture. Uh, so uh, yeah, um, and we're not really clear given context clues or really anything from Ozma uh, the way that we fight it we, we don't really know how it was deployed we don't really know how they moved it they don't we don't really know how they called it to a place yeah, how did they call it to name without it destroying anything else I, I, yeah I kind of wondered that as well like did they have to you know like maybe, they have a remote control yeah. maybe the pyramid, turn on turn off the pyramid flies <laughs> Oh, yeah, it's like the Lunatic Pandora in FF8. Yeah. You move it around, and wherever it ends up, that's where it goes. Why Everything did the is pyramid need to fly? That <laughs> <laughs> just seems so excessive. Well, oh, the, yeah, the Makai were all about well, I mean, being understated. But yeah, if Ozma true. can't that's absorb true. the period, it, uh, the pyramid, <laughs> it needs something to, pr- to like, stop its power from enveloping their own city. Maybe, maybe, it, didn't, maybe it didn't even need to go to Nim physically. Hmm. Maybe they maybe they did something else in Nim that just channeled it into Ozma. They just had their gallery already set up, and the you know Ozma's just the the you know the glass. I, I just, want a cutscene throwback to Nim where there's just these two guys hanging around like on a boat. It's just like wow, winds are pretty good. Today. Oh shit, flying pyramid. <laughs> I I. I <laughs> I'm really, sorry, I can't hear you over the sound of my giant throbbing erection. <laughs> I, I, you know, I. <laughs> Man, genocide's funny. Can I re-roll as Makai? Because these guys are fucking awesome. <laughs> yeah, it's called Lollafell. Yeah, there you go. Join us. Yeah, yeah. Uh, pretty much. No. Lollafell in their current iteration just aren't sadistic enough. Yeah. I mean, we've got some pretty corrupt Lollafell and it'll die. Yeah, there are some pretty terrible, pretty terrible Lollafell. So, yeah, Ozma is such a fascinating enemy... And I mean, it's it's not even really clear how like we're able to to you're, defeat it. You're or, literally poking an atomic warhead yeah. with a spear. Like we get sucked into a world. Were, yeah, exactly. Yeah, into a world where Nim never came back from, and we're yeah. able to just like come in and then come out. Yeah, yeah, yeah Nim people bullshit. weren't able to kill. What is it, Dark Ozma yeah. in there? Yeah. Well, they, they yeah. didn't have the DPS check, okay? <laughs> they were, I was, I was they saying this like when. Um, I mean, does it have to do with the echo, maybe? When people were wiping to it, I don't know what it has to do with it. When people were wiping to it and they're complaining about this fucking bullshit, you know, losing Osma and stuff, I'm like, I'm like let's, let's let's put this in a in a law perspective, right? Right. Osma would would eat the face off Bahamut or any anything else that we fought. It is it is in a league above anything else. The only thing that we have over it is intelligence 
presumably. Right. I don't know how we beat it. Uh, having the echo, having our soul able to remain uh, intact and pass between, uh, you know, these barriers of dimensions, that would have been absolutely critical. There's no yeah. way we could have done it without the echo. You're right. But all the same, it's it's yeah, it's insane. Yeah, it, it really is. And uh, I, I, I think that uh, it is probably my favorite fight that exists in this game right now. Really? Yeah, I I really do think so. Uh, it, the mechanics that they put in with it uh, are are perfectly tuned to the amount of people that you have in the fight. Mm-hmm. It takes communication, or at least everyone just operating off of the same context. All like all three parties, and I think that that mm-hmm. is one of the coolest aspects of the 24-man raids that is not taken advantage of enough and they really mm-hmm. took advantage of it in this fight and I think it was uh, it was uh, very very well I done. found a really nice medium between yeah. being frustrated at you know having having three parties that don't know what the fuck they're doing and it being completely face roll. I found that the, this is like the perfect sort of mid-core uh, difficulty level was this fight I agree with you there. Yeah, absolutely. So as mm-hmm. we uh, as we move on from the Gloriole, uh, we move up to the top of the pyramid where we fight mm-hmm. Califistry. Mm-hmm. Before we talk about Califistry, I actually want to mm-hmm. talk about the two statues that exist in the room as you are running up to the final platform. I. I'm so curious what these statues are or if they mm-hmm. are even statues. They do seem like they are chained somehow, uh, that mm-hmm. they are bound somehow. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ethis, do you have any kind of insight onto what these two figures are? Well, look, they're, they're carbon copies uh, of, this, of same models that we see uh, basically flanking doorways in the Void Arc. So I feel like they are some kind of, uh, you know, religious symbol. Someone keeps trying to tell me, a few people keep trying to tell me, actually, that there's a third one of them down near the bottom of that room as we're heading up towards Califisteri. Is that right? I, 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 I haven't seen it. I, I've been looking for it. I haven't seen it. I think there's only two of them. I, I could be wrong about this. The only thing that I can think of at the moment is that they could be uh, representations of Nold and Thol, the twin deities that that oversee the void. Oh wow! That um, that uh, we worship uh, in Uldar uh, today. Now that's really interesting because there aren't very many like statue-like representations of the twelve, right? Like, oh, there's a few. There's there, a few. Okay. If you have a look at um, the. Uh, what is it called? The Lost City or, or whatever it is in, in Thanalan. The the Belladine ruins on the cliff edge. Yep, yep. That was the you know one that, that was the only one that I could think of. Yeah, there's a huge statue yeah. of the Zama there. Yeah. Um, there's also uh, in, uh, I'm pretty sure, yeah, it is Aelport. There's, there's that big statue of a mermaid. That's okay. land. Okay, okay. Mm-hmm. All right, all right. Mm-hmm. I did not know that. So there's a few There's a few of them around, but they're not, not quite as uh, ostentatious as these are. Well, and it would make sense because the Makai did later become the Beldeans, who then became yeah. Ulda, and those those mm-hmm. are the, the, I wouldn't say the main gods, but like they really mm-hmm. do play a large role in Uldan society. 
Well, to be fair, the Belladines seemed to remember the sins of the Marquis and they turned to worshipping Azema, the sun goddess. Hmm. Um, and it was only really towards the end of their period and when they fractured into Uldar and Sildir and had their civil war that uh, people started to rediscover black magic, having obviously forgotten all of these uh, these important lessons and uh, turn back to this old tradition, which is around the same time that uh, the Uldan started worshiping uh, Naldthal. So yeah, I think I think there's a very a very real chance that's Naldthal. Again, that's pretty close to the top of my list uh, for for Koji Fox at the moment. But that's that's like I think that's the best sort of working theory I have at the moment. All right, so let's talk about the actual Califistry fight now. By the time we mm-hmm. get to the fight by the time we confront Califistry, she is not a recognizable race of Eorzea, so we can't really you extrapolate. Do. Uh she's still hot. <laughs> well, <'cause boobs. laughs> well uh, I mean, anyway, uh so but she is protecting, and in fact, in that fight, she's using against you yes. the null stone, mm. which is an item stone. the uh, an item that obliterates void scent. So, mm-hmm. is, among other things, yeah, is the Nullstone really anything more than this plot line's MacGuffin? Um, it's it's this plot line's Tupsamadi or this plot line's Eye of Nidhogg. Right, it is the same thing. It's it's an item that can hold a, a, an infinite amount of ether that you can carry around and use however you see fit it just so happened that the way the the marquee designed it was to uh to deal with these massively powerful void scents uh as a like you say an emergency trigger yeah it's like stop sign it's like an oh shit button for them Mm -hmm. right like exactly yeah exactly yeah so it's not limited to those things okay all right and which kind of makes you wonder what else it does exactly. Um, but Califistry has been has remained there protecting that item mm-hmm. until we best mm-hmm. her and take it from her uh, mm-hmm. and and take it with us. What kind of role do you see the Nullstone playing down the line? Well, I think it is very, very okay. Let's 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 imagine what Diablos thought he was trying to achieve, knowing that Califisteri was guarding this null stone, right, and that she knew how to use it. What's going to happen if Diablos walks into that room and then right. he tries to fight Califisteri? It's going to go bad. Yeah, isn't it awfully convenient that we get there and kill Califisteri immediately before Fadid and Diablos show up? You know, yeah. That he makes was probably sense. Following us, yeah. Mm, yeah, mm, yeah. I think I think he wanted us to procure it. So you, um, you think that's his setup? Taking it off us. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Mm. Absolutely. Um, and uh, I think that Koshi is. Uh, I don't know whether he's going to or not. But Koshi, uh, we know his background is as a, a Maki familiar, so it's fairly safe to assume that if he is not literally a void scent, then he's created out of some kind of void magic. Mm-hmm. I can I can see uh, I can see Koshi being you know the pathetic little void scent that got picked on in the schoolyard, suddenly having in his hands the the ultimate weapon to controlling all void scent and going hmm hmm I wonder what I can do with this. Uh, well, this 
I, I again some of the most fascinating lore coming out of the Weeping City. Uh, and again, we, and we got a we got a nice addition to the map that we didn't have before. I th- I find mm-hmm. it incredibly satisfying when we're able to fill in more of the or Eorzean map with context. Uh, yes. You know, I know that there's a lot of people who were upset about, uh, you know, Fields of Glory being Camp Glory and being, uh, you know, Eastern Corthus Lowlands. But, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, I'm really actually encouraged that they're filling out the world in a meaningful way. And yes, this is a same way. Yeah, this is a really great way to add to it, especially after we didn't get any of that with Crystal Tower. Crystal Tower did not provide any of that because it was all kind of in the same place and moving up. This has been very yes. cool to introduce uh, to, to introduce us to uh, a separate space on the map, which I wasn't expecting yes. because Void Arc is so disambiguated from the rest of the world. So they did some very great world building here, which I think I, I really do think that that adds to the to the enthusiasm with which this content was received. So just a oh, absolutely. little note there for uh, for Square Enix. Uh, let's talk about the Warring Triad, because this seems to be mm-hmm. where the focus of the narrative is going to be for any mm-hmm. more three point X patches. Uh, we are dealing with uh, uh, how do you say his name? Ukulele. I like that. So, White child. so so we're dealing with <laughs> with ukulele. We don't know what his identity is. Uh, mm-hmm. We have we have an idea of maybe who his master might be, uh, mm-hmm. but we don't have any idea. He's a Mackay. Uh, <laughs> Ethis, what are your theories about the identity of uh, ukulele? About the identity of him, yeah. Oh man, it, it's it's purely headcanon, but I want him to be Gaius's son. Oh, <laughs> and I have I have done a video on this. And I like there that. Are, like certain things that compel it, particularly the way he interacts uh, with regular Van Hydras. He says, uh, uh, "What does he say when when he encounters him the first time uh, after we leave, and then he catches up with us? And we're like, uh, Yo, where were you?' And he's like, "Oh, I thought I saw uh, a man, but it turned out it was just a shadow." Hmm. And that got me thinking. And I went back through their interactions and I went back through the things that um, that Una Kalhai was saying prior to this patch and the, the relationship uh, of his name being uh, diametrically opposed to a litibus. Uh Yeah, I mean, there's there's it's it's tenuous, but. I think that that could be a really fun direction to go. It would make um, some level of sense. Like, yeah. one thing that has confused mm-hmm. me about him is why the mask? Because mm-hmm. there's almost no one who our character throughout this game has been like, "I'm not talking to you. You're a dick." Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. what would what would so compel you to hide your appearance outside of like, oh yeah, I'm I'm the son of the person who caused the calamity. That's actually that's yeah. that's a great point. I like that point a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, Yugiri hit her face because of racism. So sure. I could assume that I mean, yes. this could be anything. He could be something strange. Yeah, it could be anything. He could have a, he could he have could a, be a void scent. He could be like, I don't yeah. know. He could have something that. Yeah. Or wants he to hide could have a third Gale and I. He could. Oh, yeah, you're right. Because all the. I forgot yeah, about but that. What's yeah. her face? Lucia's sister. Like Lucia just and her tiara. She just wears a tiara. Yeah. Yeah. 
Well, yeah, and look how well know, that worked hard. out. We got that spoiled like day one that she came out. Yeah. He's smart. He's like, I'm going to cover my whole face so people can't look at me. You really can't. Yeah. You, you really can't see the other side of his face. Because, uh, yeah. I mean, I've tried. I've swiveled that camera so many times. I've, I wanted to get a look, a good look at that. I wonder if they even have a model, model underneath it. I, that's Why? a good question. I, I don't know. Why are you trying to look at oh, the have kids? to. <laughs> I mean, you All think right, they've already rendered a face model for him? Mm-hmm. I'm yeah, sure they have. yeah. I, I bet yeah. they have. I bet they have. It's just a big question mark. No, I mean, they're not, they're not going to like design a character and be like, you know what? We'll do his face later. Well, but <laughs> but if his if his face is kind of an important plot like point, they could just. I'd like, to, uh, I'd like to go home early today. I think we'll just do it later, guys. <laughs> but I mean, they might not have it currently implemented behind that mask. Yeah, they, they, oh, they could have learned. They could have learned something from uh, Livia. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, so. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, all right. Uh, we, there is questions about who his master is. We know that he is serving someone, although all, so, uh, all signs seem to point at this point to it being a litibus. Uh, well, he says his master's from another world, and that could mean another dimension. Could mean a little bit. There's definitely the connection with his name uh, being, you know, the same the same star sign and that. Um, now, a lot of people have been conflating him saying that his master is from another world with him saying that he is from another world. At no point does Unukala explicitly say that he himself is from another world. What he does say is that in this other world, champions were using something called aura sites to contain. Uh, primal like monsters and it all went uh it all went you know ass up and uh, destroyed that star if they are covering if they are covering his face because this is an ff6 reference and that's going to be the big reveal i'm going to be so salty ff6 i don't think it is i don't think it. it is Orosite? Yeah, I'm, yeah, yeah I, I, I do. So who I, would he, yeah, I don't I mean, know. I don't know who it would be. I, I'm not. I don't. It's I don't claim only, to know. But I'm just saying, one, if they are trying, if that's that's where they're leading us, I'm going to be pissed. There's only one other world in the the Final Fantasy multiverse where Orosite is is literally used as yeah. as Orosite rather than being called you know some other kind of you know something close to Orosite, and that is Ivalice. Oh, Final Fantasy Twelve. Mm-hmm. Okay, all right. Now, what's what's the other what's the other Ivalice reference that we have of some you know masterful figure who seems to know an awful Zodiac. lot about our history and our star? Yeah, I mean there is Zodiac. I'm thinking of a little teaser we got, a little snippet of something towards the end of three point one, a little something that we saw in the Great Google Library being discussed from a guy named Gerun. Yes, the the guy. Gerun Chronicles, yeah. Yeah, yeah, who's basically the equivalent of uh of Elidibus in Ivalis. Okay. All right. At the so bottom of the Deep thing, Dungeon. The thing is, we've already got Gerun's name dropped in here. We've got Orosite drops in here, which is a very direct reference to him. Um, right. Yeah, I mean, it could it could totally be Elidibus, but my money at the moment is that his master is Garen. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. 
Uh, and we do see a little bit of character development on the part of ukulele. Uh, we see him being awkward, which, you know, we didn't really see before. Uh, we, we saw him being a little bit human, which I, mm-hmm. I, I, I'm a little bit a little bit uh, reluctant to use that word exactly. But it did make him seem a little bit more like, like a person. Yeah, like a He's person up. He's going to let his guard down. And Kral's he's going to get in there and work him out. And he's making mistakes, too, because the the entire going after Regulus ended up being a, a big mistake that he ends up admitting to in the end or at least trying to kill him. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, and and so, yeah, I think that we're getting some very interesting character development. And uh, this is probably one of the most interesting things in uh ff14 right now uh let's talk about the garleans and their motivations and what they're being they're working toward now in this regulus was being fed information by Mm -hmm. ukulele to get him Mm -hmm. to come out and you know basically walk him into this trap but Mm -hmm. the garlean motivation what exactly are the garlean motivations outside of just amassing more power we assume that they want to amass more power their motivations are very clear they were made clear to us uh during the heavens ward main scenario and it's the reason why regular was in the ferrochemical research facility at the same time as the archbishop they know about the warring triad they know that containing primals is the only way to make sure that they cannot be re-summoned and so they're after that ability. They're after they're after that technology. Yeah. Right now, the the thing that Unukalhide dangles in front of uh, regular here is something very specific. It's an ethereal chemical formula. It's basically a philosopher's stone. It's it's a it's a formula to create substance out of nothingness. It's a sort of energy matter conversion kind of thing. So that's the thing that regular is motivated by now. That's the thing that he may or may not have gotten hold of while right. we were there. Right. But the Garland's mission in Azaslaw is to appropriate the technology that is used to bind the Warring Triad. There we go. Now, are they trying to release the Warring Triad or they're just trying to get the technology? No, they're trying to get the technology. Yeah. They, uh, they what, want to be able to do that. what do they want that. to use it for? They want to be able to do that to every single primal. Okay. Which is a noble cause. Because the thing is, if you kill, if you kill a primal... But that doesn't make them sound so evil. <laughs> you're right it they're, doesn't yes, you're they're, right they're not, it's all they're perspective they're not so evil it it's, is it's, it, they're, their shortcomings are their hubris and again Gaius was trying to do the right thing by you know he, that's what he was doing with ultimate weapon right. he was permanently containing primals uh, unfortunately that's a, a huge amount of power going into one man's hands that can very easily be manipulated by the forces of darkness um, and that's what Final Fantasy is all about, right? It's about hubris. Right. So I'm, I'm actually really glad that you had brought up Ultima because um, you're right. Ultima had an item in there called the Heart of Sabik, which, mm-hmm. which was is older than Alec. Right. Yeah. That is one of the most important artifacts that we know of in all of Eorzea. It, it is a um, it's a black stone that is connected somehow. We don't really know how, but it's connected to Zodiac and La Habrea. Mm-hmm had actually taken the stone and hid it within Ultima Weapon. Um, and mm-hmm. this is the stone that's actually used as the catalyst to be able to cast the spell Ultima. So mm-hmm. 
defeating primals and storing the essence of primals in that stone is what awakens its power. La Habrea knew mm-hmm. this and gave it mm-hmm. to uh, gave it to Gaius in hopes that mm-hmm. that's what would happen. Um, and we well, first gave it to the Alligans. Right. Yes. First. Uh, but we don't know. Reasons. Do, we don't know what happened while it was in the possession of the Alligans. There's no definitive one calamity that is assigned to the heart of Sabik outside of possibly no. the Isle of Val. Mm-hmm. Well, <laughs> The thing is, the the Isle of Val happened at more or less the same time yes. as Castor Meridianum. Right. Yeah. Because it, ha- it it we are told of it. Yurianger uh, um, uh, tells us that it happened. So you know, at the beginning of the storyline, the students of Baldessian, which you know, that's what the Isle of Val, that's who lived there. Uh, yes. They were still there, and they were still a very much operating group on the Isle mm-hmm. of Val. And it wasn't mm-hmm. until it, it's not until this incident that Yuri Anjay tells us about that takes that 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 the students of Baldessian and removes them from the picture, removes them from the playing mm-hmm. board. So and they they are the juiciest target possible for the Asians. The the point of the students of Baldessian, right, is that they're Charlans, uh, so you know, already the most knowledgeable people on the planet. They're a group of Charlans that have the echo and are researching the echo. Right. So they're the Charlan science, effectively. Right. right. And and the thing about the heart of Sabik is that we do know that it was activated at least with our final confrontation with Ultima because it is casting Ultima. Mm-hmm. So we mm-hmm. do know that that the stone is active and we do see uh you know we do see Gaius take Ultima to defeat Titan Ifrit and Garuda and then there's mm-hmm. a there's a there's a bit of a time uh, uh there's a, a, a you know there's a little bit of a lag between when we actually confront him at Castrum. So oh so you think he might have flown off to Val is that what you're saying? That yeah I think that that La Habrea may have made off with the heart of Sabik mm. detonated it at the Isle of Val and 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 actually you know uh, used the the item, you know, used Ultima there. Not not Ultima weapon, but used the spell Ultima there mm. to remove Isle of Vol and then brought it back for Gaius to recharge inside Ultima. I don't know. I mean, that's my well, just, head just while, just while Gaius was asleep. Right, yeah. Well, Gaius was fucking <laughs> off doing something else. Because the thing is, is that Gaius didn't really have a good understanding of how Ultima worked. We f- no, we, he didn't. We well, he see didn't know this. about Ultima. Yeah, I mean, we see this. You know, he mm. he's got the Garlean hubris because he's sitting there on yeah. top of it and, and bragging about yeah, exactly. how it's going to be this great thing. And then he yeah. ultimately doesn't even know how to use it. It's La Habrea. Like, hang on, this is what I signed it. up for. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. exactly. Yeah. So, you know, I think that that's entirely conceivable. I also think that that's where the Isle of Vol theory sort of comes from. Well, uh, I think I think that's possible. Uh, I think that's definitely possible. What I personally think is that we have we have a reference to Kryle and we have a reference to Garolf uh, Baldessian, uh, Kryle's uh, father, or, or I believe it's his uh, grandfather. Grandfather, yeah, yeah, I believe, yeah. 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 Um, now, there is one character that makes an island disappear in Final Fantasy V, and that's X-Death. 
Mm, okay. So there is always that. It's interesting. And that's that's always some breadcrumbs for later. So yeah. I think, yeah, I think it's definitely, definitely possible the Ives Sabik uh, is involved. But I'm absolutely expecting that to be used uh, as a way to uh, to peg in uh, X-Death for us in, uh, in a future expansion. Uh, interesting. So, okay. So I got yeah. it. It's all ties together. Mm-hmm. Ukulele's master is actually mm-hmm. X-Death, and when you release the three <laughs> warring triad, it's going to release X-Death, and that's all I got. Okay. <laughs> all right. Also, Kaloof okay. is in there. I, that really, that that burned out right. very quick. Man, when he's right, solid, we're going to be mad. Contribution. Yeah, yeah. So what do what do you think the uh, the the move forward in uh, the Warring Triad is going to be like? Do you have any uh, do you have any expectations for the Warring well, Triad? No, we were told we were told that regular was going to be like dramatically changed by his confrontation with us, and yet we didn't really see that. Did no, we? no, I don't think he was. So, I don't know. I really don't know. I, I, again, we're all expecting to see some sort of Kefka-like figure in in regular, and he's going to become power crazed or whatever. But I don't, I don't see it happening yet. Yeah, I, I don't so know. A little ways to go. I don't. I know. don't see regular being a Kefka analog. No. Uh, well, I, I, you're right. I, I mean, in terms of a character, no, because yeah. no. Regula is Not actually yet. well. Regula is actually in really logical. Like, yeah, uh, most of the Garleans, except for maybe Nail towards towards the end, maybe after he got uh, tempered. But most yeah. of them seem to be like they don't play their hand. They don't show you all of their motivations. But they're they're. I I, I think Woody, you had said they're not necessarily wrong. They're doing mm-hmm. like they're doing the right thing through the wrong means. Mm-hmm. Is, think, is what I it feels regular's like. Regular's not even thinking about the right thing. I think Regular is the most uncomplicated of any Garleans. He just wants to impress his emperor. He's just obeying yeah. orders. Yeah. He's not like Gaius, who has this, you know, this grand sort of philosophical idea. Um, and and Gaius, we know now, was a renegade. He was he was not in contact with the Empire for right. a very very long time. Was just doing his own thing. Right. Um, Regular is a loyal lapdog of the emperor. Yeah. So he's General Leo, and he's going to join our per- side eventually. Perhaps. I could perhaps. see. That. I could see that. You 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 think you? Hmm. Someone it eventually goes too far, and he's like, "Fuck! I don't want to be part of this anymore." Perhaps. I could see that. Yeah, that's that's pretty legit. Uh, I, I just hope that as the as the warring triad goes on. I hope they use this as a way to build almost a sympathetic eye and ear towards Garlemald because they spent the Mm -hmm. whole of 2.0 painting them out as the evil invaders. 1.0. 2, yeah. And And now the more that we look at them, the more we're kind of like, you know, is what they're doing really wrong? Yeah. Yeah. Especially because they've just been... They've just been like minding their own business over there too. Like they're like, yeah. we're doing this entire thing with the Dragon Song War, and I'm the whole yeah. time like, where, where I thought we were like in combat with them, but yeah. clearly they're doing their own thing. Ever since Gaius' well, failed incursion, they've just kind of done their own thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I, I, I honestly, I think a lot of our interactions with Gaius towards the end of 2.0 were very sympathetic and we're about complicating this idea and him sure. sort of saying hey you know this 12 that you worship they're no fucking different from primals and us being like holy shit you know maybe there's something in that yeah so i i feel like that's i feel like it's already there if you pay attention there is already like a lot of sympathy for the garlands 
That'd so, be nuts if by the end of 4.0 we're allied with the Garleans. That would be. Against, that, against like the Warriors. The yeah, there's there's no way because uh, the Alamigo thing has got to resolve. Yeah, I'm and, thinking like, but what is their purpose? If that's their main purpose is to, to bind primals, why are they taking over places like Alamigo and like they were probably going to take over Charlene? Like, what was the point of all of that? Yeah. Well, because they're lesser races. Duh. <laughs> I mean, Charlene maybe has like a bunch of out. knowledge and no, stuff. No, we still but, got like, you. The thing is, is that they abandoned Charlene under the the pretext that Garlane was going to invade, and then Garlane never, yeah, Garlemald never even came and took over. So that's like they, true. They, there's so much knowledge in the library that Garlemald could have gotten hold of and that, didn't. That's true. Mm-hmm. Although uh, uh, Tomcat the Lion in the chat says uh, we're talking about the same people that destroyed Doma because they wanted freedom, genocide. Oh I, yeah, did, oh yeah, they're scumbags. Yeah, don't like, they, they want to. They committed to. Well, they obviously didn't commit, but they committed to genocide against every single beast race in Eorzea yeah. in 1.0 just because they know that the beast races are capable or summoning primals towards yeah. the end of final coil alfino and alizé are like holy shit the garlands can never know that human beings are capable of summoning primals you don't you think though that it should have been a bigger deal to the garleans that there was this entire religion established in corthus and mm-hmm. in ishgard that was mm-hmm. basically propped up to be able to summon a primal when the power was needed uh mm-hmm. don't you think that that would have made a bigger impact or they would have reacted way bigger than they did because i don't know they- if they've quite worked that out there's there's no imperial spies in ishgard um because ishgard has been shut off to the alliance for longer than the empire but has they were existed. there at the aether chemical research facility like they're they- they're after something totally different they they saw what um thornton was doing as like a way in but i don't think they were really paying that much attention to it to be honest and to the point of their, their genocide of, of doma I mean, obviously, mm. it's hard to defend, but we only have heard from the Doman survivors. We actually don't know what the Garleans' reason for going in and doing that was. We've never okay. heard their side oh, of it. We've, right, heard, we've, heard, we've heard from Doman traitors. Like, if you play through the Ninja Quest line, the, mm-hmm. the antagonist is basically the guy that sold the Domans out, the Doman rebellion out to the Empire, and okay. you do get their side. And he's a scumbag. He's a psychopath. Mm, okay. Interesting. And plus, when you're- There like- might be more to it, but it's not good. And plus, when you're like stepping at anthills, like you don't really notice all the ants crushing beneath your feet. It's just, they're, they're tiny; they don't matter. Um, yeah, I, I mean, the Garleans are very much a means to an end sort of uh, civilization. Mm-hmm. Let's yes. talk. Let's talk before we wrap this up because uh, I do want to get into some speculation here. Let's talk real quick about Fields of Glory. Uh, now, there's actually... It, it, this This is an area that encompasses Camp Glory as well as Owl's yes. Nest from 1.0. And what's interesting is that the Duty Finder identifies this area as the Eastern Highlands, which, I mean, we don't really know if that's just an error in the duty finder or if that this area is supposed to encompass both the eastern highlands and the lowlands i truly hope Mm. that it doesn't because i'd Mm. really like to see the eastern highlands make a return in something Mm. like 4.0 so um you know the the areas that are encompassed here are really the lowlands and so i i I think i'd like to just operate with the idea that this is the lowlands like in my head this is where 
the Corthus Eastern Lowlands are, and I think that they fucked up in Duty Finder. But we do, we are investigating a lot of Allegan ruins, and we don't know for sure whether or not these Allegan ruins came from the Calamity, because they do seem very similar to the ruins of Delmud. But there's also, in 1.0, this moment where Nail Van Darnus went to call forth meteor and used a bunch of ruins in Corthus Eastern Highlands. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So do we know for sure whether or not these Allegan ruins are what he used to call forth meteor or are they impact from Dalamud? I don't think they're impact from Dalamud. Mm -hmm. They're uh, ruins that have been uncovered as a result of Dalamud's uh, impact. I don't. I don't know whether they're the same as what uh, what Nail was was getting into. I think that again, the reason why they seem to be called Eastern Highlands, as far as I'm concerned, is that the Lowlands are no longer low. The, there was oh, such okay. a massive change in Eorzea's geography that I think the Lowlands were literally just like lifted up like several hundred meters. Is there? Is there? evidence of that in the actual fields of glory map um i'm not sure i haven't paid enough attention to it because i mean because I, I, I do i i spent a lot of time in owl's nest in 1.0 is like one of my favorite places to afk so mm-hmm. i would make my way there mm-hmm. quite often and from mm-hmm. what i can tell owl's nest i mean they they do take liberties with the way that the zone is laid out but owl's nest mm-hmm. seems in in relative fashion just destroyed it's not it it doesn't Mm -hmm. seem like there's been any sizable uh you know uh upheavals of earth or anything like that and it seems Mm -hmm. fairly positioned you know where where you would assume that it would be so i i Mm -hmm. I mean i don't know that there are context clues for something like that but it's an interesting Mm -hmm. interesting theory i my headcanon that i really like is that it is actually the corthus eastern lowlands and that we Mm -hmm. will get the corthus eastern highlands as player housing because player housing is assigned a space on the map there there that you know whether it's the mist or whatever it is that is actually a spot on the overall nation map so mm-hmm. you know, i think it would be interesting if they decided to put player housing in the uh, eastern highlands where else could they put corthus uh player housing because they've talked about well, doing Corthus. we know we're getting housing. apartments yeah we know we're getting apartments and it's going to be more like an instance thing so did they I'm say that that was it, specific to corthus or did they say because i thought that that was just an i believe uh, so i thought that was just a housing item or a housing type that we were getting from in the no in the i think that that's going to be specifically what we're seeing in ishgard and i'm i'm expecting that to be a zone like in the in the city okay maybe like another manor district sure that we that we go to and we're going to be you know renting space in those manors sure um but i yeah I, i'd i'd love to see eastern lowlands becoming populated yeah i think that would be awesome because it's a it's a lot greener than the rest of curthus yeah i mean it'd be the ideal place to set up you know the one thing that i haven't found that i should spend some time in fields of glory trying to find is mm-hmm. i have not found where the bridge is because we've got the bridge that exists Mm. that's that's in fact the bridge where you confront gilgamesh on Mm -hmm. that Mm -hmm. should be visible somewhere from that map which would help me Mm. orient myself a little bit a little bit better 
Um, all right, so let's move on from this. Uh, let's talk a little bit about speculation. Uh, sure. First, I want to because we'll. I think this is a great place to speculate for 4.0, but I also really specifically want to speculate for patch 3.4 because this is the definitive end of the Dragon Song War. And I'm curious, right. I'm curious where you guys think that we're going to push in a narrative sense forward from here. So what do you guys expect we'll see with patch 3.4? Mm. For me, I, well, I, I think, think it's be Warriors of Darkness. That's that's where we're going from here. I, I feel like the yeah. Warren They've Triad been is going to continue. The last two passes. Yeah. yeah, I feel like the Warren Triad is going to continue to kind of be like the off thing that's going on. Sure. And then Warriors of Darkness is where the focus will be because I don't think they're going to do a lot towards Alamigo until like the the three point five five equivalent. Hmm. Okay. Because mm. uh, yeah, I, I mean, for as much as we haven't spent time with the Warriors of Darkness, we also haven't spent any time with Yida and Poplimo, who we know are embedded in the Alamegan Resistance. So you know, I I, I think that that you're probably right that the next patch will be focused on Warriors of Darkness. Do we? Do you think that the Warriors of Darkness are really going to be a, a short-lived threat, like a one patch? threat oh i hope not i mean they've built them up they've built them up so much bigger than that that it's got to be something more satisfying than that dude one shot ravana yeah exactly yeah they're like super op yeah so and plus they're all cool and black so (laughs) but i'm curious though like what's where's our hook to getting into alamigo is that only just linking back up with gita and poplamo or and garlamald no, our, our hook getting into uh, Alamigo is with Ilbert and Rob Bond. And Federgelt. Mm-hmm. Who? The monk NPC who is most definitely oh the prince God. of Alamigo. Yeah, for oh, sure. He, I don't know if he's definitely the prince of Alamigo. He's but most he definitely is, the prince. He's it's definitely. So what is I he? will tell you is that he's definitely going to be 4.0 as a Stinian. Yeah, yeah, totally. 100%. Totally. Mm -hmm. Wow, my hype level for 4.0 has just dropped like a freaking rock. So, we haven't haven't seen much from the Asians lately. They are also being very quiet. The last time we saw them was at the Aether Chemical Research Facility. Yeah, well, last time they poked their head out, we bit it off, didn't we? That's right. We've (laughs) seen seen Elidibus making some moves behind the scenes. We're not totally sure what his motivations are, but he seems to be motivated by something other than what the other Asians are motivated by. Uh, mm-hmm. Do you do you have any theories, Ethis, for what exactly motivates Elidibus and, and what exactly his, his endgame is? I think Elidibus has been literally feeding us. Okay. I think I think Elidibus loves seeing us defeat more and more powerful primals, so we become more and more powerful. And basically, he's raising the stakes every time uh, these fights are escalating. It's now every single primal we fight at the moment is like a calamity waiting to happen. Thornton could have been a calamity easily. Could right. have a freak have been a calamity? No, not a chance. Right. So I think. Sephiroth, exactly, could yeah. have been a calamity yeah. easily. Yeah, I think that Elidibus is feeding us the Warriors of Darkness. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting theory. To what end, though? Yeah. To what end? To to the end of of chaos and mayhem and lots of etheric explosions and well, he would you know, be maybe us. 
he would be putting the power in our hands and then we would have to he would also have to manipulate us to use it mm-hmm. in, in in an irresponsible or a way that he would want do mm-hmm. you i mean do you think his motivations are different than the other Asians, or do you think that he's literally after the same thing that they are because he's after the same goal he's after really this, because again, I, this whole dimensional collapse making the world whole again whatever it is that they want to call it he's after absolutely the same thing he's just got different different means but am i crazy or have there been conversations between Asians mm-hmm. about mm-hmm. Alitibus where they're not sure what his motivations are no or, they're not sure about yeah him. okay absolutely so not. so then i mean it, it just that whole thing really sets me up to to think that he's somehow screwing over both sides that there's going to be a double cross and that he's out for himself but i don't know mm-hmm. to what end you know like mm-hmm. it, it, if you it, for those who are evangelion fans it's sort of like what's the difference between gendo's motivations and sale's motivations they're both mm-hmm. trying to end the world but they're doing it for entirely different reasons gendo's trying to reunite mm-hmm. with his wife sale is this huge clandestine uh, organization that just wants all of us to turn into tang so mm-hmm. you know I'm, I'm i'm just trying to figure out like is is a little bit does he have a different end game than the other Asians? I think all the Asians they have slightly different ideas of what it is that Zodiac wants and what it is that this uh, Zodiac wants, I should say, right. and what it is that this uh, this end game looks like. But the way I think of Elidibus, particularly after what we've seen has happened to Minfili, Minfili is word of the mother, Elidibus is word of the father. That's what I think. Okay, all I, right, I, I can I, see that. I've got it. It's a bit youngian. I like that though. He's trying to build us up, so eventually, we're gonna have to choose between saving Minfilia and separating her from the Mother Crystal. But in doing mm-hmm. so, we'll like shatter the Mother Crystal and break Hydalin, and then mm-hmm. we have to make the choice choice between saving Minfilia or breaking Hydalin. Hmm. Mm. Interesting. Well, I I think what's interesting about the Asians and how they're kind of. I think they are very much having the same issues that we have with Heidelin, where we try our best to understand what she wants, but none yes. of us are exactly sure. So we all take it yes. in different directions. I think the Asians very much have the same problem with Zodiac and that they don't have a clear definition of what his goal is for them. Sure. Sure. And the chat is talking about what I was thinking too, is that they literally hinted at Yurianjay talking with the Asians what twice and then have totally dropped that. Yeah. So like mm-hmm. we what the heck is that about? Yeah, yeah. I mean, and that's that's a good point too, is that uh is that Elidibus is you know, working with or possibly trying to manipulate Yuri Ange and subsequently the Scions. So uh, there's a lot at play. Um, I, and all right, let's let's look ahead to 4.0. I was I was going to throw Omega in there as well, but I I have this feeling that we won't see Omega for a long time. Yeah. Uh, and that really? yeah, do you really think that that, that we could sense. see Omega brought back in 3.x? So who was who was after Omega originally? Teledi Adelegi. Right. He's dead. Yeah. He was working directly under Teledi. The the other Bolarita. Uh, Ilbert. Yeah. Ilbert. Ilbert. Okay. Ilbert oh, okay. What is the only thing that Ilbert cares about? The only reason he worked with Teledi Adelegi reclaiming was to cure oh, amigos, power. 
so you to reclaim Alamigo. Oh, he's okay. one of the only people that know anything about Omega Weapon. He's disappeared off to God knows where. I'm I'm quite certain that Ilbert's uh, going to make a play for Omega Weapon. He's going to want to use Omega Weapon to annex uh, Alamigo, to, to liberate Alamigo. Good theory. I like that. Good, good theory. So uh, we are for 4.0. Let's let's speculate a little bit for 4.0. Uh, we're mm-hmm. getting our push to Alamigo. We kind of already said where we think from a narrative perspective uh, that mm-hmm. will go. Uh, also, Alamigo and the northeast section of the continent is the only mm-hmm. place where, uh, you know, we get even a hint of our next continent. Uh, mm-hmm. Which is I don't I don't actually remember the name of the continent offhand, but Garlemald is uh, up to the Ilzabad. Ilzabad, thank is the you. The central continent, yes. Um, so we we're looking at pushing that way. Will we actually get to see the beginning of that continent, or do you think that we're just going to finish out Eorzea? I think we'll see a border. Um, yeah, I think we we may see a sort of contested zone. Uh, on that border, definitely. The thing, the thing we got to realize about Alamigo, right, is that they were conquered over twenty-five years ago. Now, a whole generation of Alamegans have grown up under imperial rule. They're not like, um, they're not how we sort of think of them. It's not, an, it's not an occupied city. It is a fully, uh, it's a Galan city now. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So it's Galean territory. So when we're moving into Alamigo, we are moving into the Galean Empire. Okay. All right. That's that's fair. Um, so there's a lot of possible zones that we could see with 4.0. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a mm-hmm. lot of uh, a lot of places that have names. They've been ass- they've they've had names assigned to them uh, that mm-hmm. are inaccessible. So let's talk about the possibility of this. We've already sort of talked about Corthus Eastern Highlands and uh, what could be what could be there. Uh, mm-hmm. But it, 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 and this is one that people bring up a lot from uh, uh, you know from 1.0 to 2.0. But we've also got mm-hmm. the Western Shroud, which was destroyed in the Calamity. And we've it's actually got this big, huge aspected ether chunk, sort of yes. like sort of like what you see around the entrance to binding coil that yes. is ostensibly the entire zone. Well, it's because a massive shard of Dalamud fell on it right. and it just obliterated. There's nothing there. There's absolutely nothing there. Except the shard. Except that yes. shard is there. You can see that shard. You can see the yes. the aether. And yes. I, I'm I would be I would think that this would be a location that would be right for a dungeon. Yes, definitely for a dungeon. Perfect for a dungeon. So uh, that's that's my. I'd love to see West more elegant dungeons. Yay! Yay. <laughs> no, but I mean, like even the even the run up, uh, you know, navigating the uh, the yeah, aether, I true. think would be would be very yeah. cool, and it would give some closure yeah, yeah. about people who. Oh, what happened to West Shroud? Well, here you go. <laughs> here you go. It's busted. Uh, so you want to know what Shroud, go to the North Shroud, look west. We it's, don't. It's a fucking crater. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. But we don't. We don't actually. Doma is not listed on the Overworld map. Like it on the bigger map, we don't know where Dimer, it's, it's 
miles away. Yeah, there's, there's there's an entire continent between us and Dover. Yeah, so I'm th- oh, I'm far. Yeah, yeah. So I'm I'm thinking more in terms of what we have on the map that is named that we have to play with. So uh, I think the most obvious, the biggest region up to the north is mm-hmm. the uh, Zelfatol region, which is mm-hmm. uh, mostly mountainous. There's a lot of mountains that exist up there. Uh, yes. What kind of lore exists for Zelfatol? Because that name is tossed all over items and stuff. Yes. Okay. So, uh, Zelfatol is where the Ixal originally found themselves after they presumably escaped from Azaslar, and that's where they began their sort of Garuda worship. Those are, it's it, it sort of, it is part of a Blathia spine by the looks of it. And, uh, like you say, a lot of canyons, uh, it's it's possible that it's the same part of uh, a Blathia spine where the Hellsguard Rogadens are. I'm fully expecting to see that sooner or later. We know the Hellsguard Rogadens are native to some part of a Blathia spine, and they uh, they live in these sort of volcanic regions, and they treat volcanoes as uh, like portals to the underworld, and they sort of defend them. So we might expect to see a little bit of that in uh, in Zelfatol, but. We don't know a whole lot about it, to be honest. Do we have any inkling what might pull us to the Zelfatol region? Has there been anything um, that's let us think that we would go there? No. No. Not, not okay. really. <laughs> yeah, not I, really. I other, other than that it's in the right direction. Okay. So basically just its location on the map. It could be it could be because of the the geography of it because it's all these you know kind of canyon mazes and stuff like that presumably it could be a a sort of ripe kind of staging area for the Alamegan resistance it could be sure you know, where they're operating um, pushing into Girabanya because Girabanya is effectively like the Mongolian steppes it's like big open plains and uh, I couldn't really see the resistance moving through that very easily let me tell you what I would actually like to see out of out of this region um Mm -hmm. because you're right you know with it being so mountainous i would like to see a a uh a zone that is done sort of like the old school the 1.0 black shroud i know that i know that (laughs) a lot of people didn't like that and it didn't make sense for a zone that was also like a starter zone that was like right outside of a city it really didn't like it was but it was a well-designed zone like in terms of the visual presentation the way that it ran on the hardware the way that you kind of had to make your way through and and sort of deduce where you were on the map i I mean like Mm -hmm. there was there was a lot of similarities between that and something like uh the jungle in ff11 are you talking about 4.0 jungle Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so I think that a zone design of that nature now two expansions later is something and and especially if it's if it's an you know a, an optional zone or whatever that that would probably be a good addition. Now how that would work with flying, I don't have I any fucking clue. Uh, are you expecting 4.0 will also see continuation of flying as I well? I think so, yeah. I yeah, think yeah so. definitely. Yeah. Abs- absolutely. I don't absolutely. think that they'd end up... On- particularly when you look at uh, Girabanya and you look at the fact that the Alamegan cavalry were uh, griffin-mounted. Hmm. That's where the griffins come from. Gotcha. Hmm. Gotcha. Hmm. Uh, so, all right, let's talk about Alamigo. Uh, this is ostensibly where we think we're going to be pushing throughout the next expansion 
and mm-hmm. it is a city state that as as Ethis had uh, identified earlier is currently occupied by the Garleans. So if we're looking for a place that is not going to be our base of operations, that is not going to be the city state that our characters hang out in when, you know, we're AFK or idle. It's definitely not going to be Alamigo. I think that if there is going to be a contested zone, and I think it would be kind of cool to see like server wide PVE events that Alamigo would be the center of that conflict. I feel like it'll be tough to have a like flat out contested zone like that because, like as I said, it's been 25 years since this takeover happened. I feel like if like the resistance there, they have to be mobile. They can't have set up shop somewhere. Well, but you've got the. You resi- know what would make them mobile? Dragons. Yeah, <laughs> but you've got. I mean, you've got the resistance, but you've also got. You know, I, I think if they if they built up a conflict that is you know large scale where you could. You know, where it, from a narrative standpoint, it would make sense to have battles totally along the line of campaign battles. Then, yeah, yeah I think uh, that that would be here, a really fun. Addition. Here's what would be interesting: What if at the beginning of this storyline, like the 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 new Eorzean Alliance decides, like we're going to take the fight to Alamigo, and you march in there with your Eorzean army and set up a base in there, and that's your starting city? I, I mean, you, we could see something like that. We did see some stuff, uh, some some ideas like that with yes. uh, Seekers of Aldolin. I, yes. I don't, but I think I think from a narrative standpoint, you have to have an ongoing conflict that's there, the contested zone, to be able to have this worldwide PVE, or else the, 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 you know, the consequence of that would be that you have to find a way to resolve it and that the PVE event would end. So it's either got to be a conflict that is ongoing, similar to the dragon conflict that we have or they have to resolve it which i don't think that they're going to do both from a game structural standpoint and from a narrative standpoint so i'm more curious though like Edis was saying that because it's been so long an entire generation has grown up the city is no longer occupied the city just belongs to the empire and i can't help but wonder that you know with raubon and vedergelt like leading this charge into alamigo if we're like the people of alamigo are going to be like what the fuck like, we don't want most you of, here most <laughs> of gaius's legion most of the 14th legion were made up of alamigan citizens there you go there you go that, I, just, I had forgotten I, about but that, i just yeah. wonder like the people who are currently living in alamigo like we haven't had anyone leave alamigo since the takeover not, has not become. many of them no not many there's been a few so you're wondering uh, if we're going to be seen as invaders or liberators yeah, we're, we're going to be invaders or liberators actually yeah. that's a really good question because if, it's going to be complicated yeah if you if you take the dynamic as it exists now if we're helping out the dome and resistance we're helping out ilbert which I think that, mm-hmm. that that is a huge conflict for us as the player mm-hmm. character because of our allegiance both to Ulda and to um, to, to one arm. Uh, Robin. Yeah, there you go. Uh, one arm McGee. Old yeah. one arms. Yeah. Uh, old single. Now, one one thing one thing I, I think is definitely worth noting that could have massively changed the the dynamic in Alamigo, despite it have been you know fairly stable for the last twenty five years, is the fact that we've literally just come through an imperial civil war. We got a new emperor. He's pretty fucking insane. Yeah. Um, and that would have definitely affected these these outlying 
uh, territories, Alamigo was was ostensibly cut off from the rest of uh, of Galmod, from the capital, yeah. from. And I wonder know, if they hear support. about things like in Doma, like they hear Domans resist and they got burned to the ground. You know, like I wonder if people yeah, in Alamigo are I'm hearing sure that. You know, as like I'm an sure example, so they're like, "Fuck, we can't resist because yeah. that's going to happen to us." So yeah. do you, you think, get the people who you get the people who escaped when it first happened, but like since it's been the takeover has been established, yes. you don't get many people leaving. That's true. But what I'm saying is that I think their conditions in the city would have been made far worse as a result of the Imperial Civil War. And I think there might be dissent about that uh, as much, if not more than about the original invasion 25 years ago. So Hmm. do you think that before the end of 3.x, there will be some kind of major shakeup in Alamigo that would not necessarily like obviously we're gonna be prompted to go over there but something like we had the major events at the end of 2.55 that caused us to flee to ishgard as refugees right is there going to be some kind of major shakeup in alamigo where we're just like we oh, have to it's go ti- it's time to go take alamigo back why why are we like yeah, why what, now what, what, definitely. what is going to be the catalyst that says why now of this all, all these times what if what if ilbert goes takes it over and does something terrible and now Ilbert and the resistance are the ones that are seated inside of Alamigo. So we're not even conflicting with the Garleans yet. We're conflicting with the with the resistance that just took back Alamigo mm-hmm. by being dicks. I really mm-hmm. like the idea that Garleans are like this huge big empire, but every time like we're in a new expansion they just get like get backseated to someone else. Because well, they're doing their own thing, and I feel like they're going to come out of nowhere eventually and just be this huge force because we're kind of ignoring them, and we're just kind of letting them be. Yeah. There is going to be an expansion where it's like the Garleans do reemerge as the primary threat of the world, and we're just like, oh, crap. So we've mm-hmm. got a we've got a couple of islands that are located off of the uh, eastern shore of Eorzea that we could see uh, make a appearance in 4.0. We've got uh, Theory, sure. Theory Island. <laughs> Uh, which okay, I, I want you to have another look at your map there because <laughs> I know what you're looking at and that's not Theory Island. That is the Pearl. The Pearl. The, the Pearl. Okay. The black one or the white one? Boo. <laughs> Boo. <laughs> Boo. What, what is the Pearl? Shame. The Pearl. That's the name of the island. Okay. All right. Well, I, I mean, I... Hell, I'm trying to read it off of uh, off of a poorly translated map, probably from 1.0. So uh, there okay. there is that. But okay, fine. The per- we'll go with the pearl. <laughs> then. Am I supposed to be the one translating Eorzean too? Like, is that is that am I supposed to have that skill? I don't well, I don't remember yeah. learning that. You're the you're the cartographer. We have Eorzean geography on the podcast. So All right, you are the not silent cartographer. So. Uh. So the Pearl, it is located in the Jade Sea, which is south mm-hmm. of uh, 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 Gwyn uh, Abanya. Yeah. Uh, but we don't know much about it. Don't really know. No, we don't know anything about it. Don't know anything about it. Um, same thing with, uh, what is that, Maslava Island? Maslava? Yeah, we, well, I mean, we've got, uh, we know like certain things in native to Maslava. There's, uh, I think it's like some kind of mint. Spinach, I think. Sp- spinach or something yeah. yeah we we oh yes 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 and there's pineapples we know that <gasps> um Muslia is uh very sparsely populated there doesn't seem to be any major settlement there but, but it is populated though it, it, they, they, it is popular there's yeah. a shitload of chocobos there yeah Apparently there's like some kind of chocobo wait so it's not there. the Mikote homeland no no it's no not. that's maricidia yeah that's to the south we don't even see that that's, on the yeah. 
Man, well nine said. more expansions of hoping we get to go there. <laughs> and then, and then like eleven, never getting there. Yep, it's FF eleven all over again. Well, and then we've also got this entire eastern region to Thanaland that hasn't been expanded. We've only we only get maybe uh, two thirds of that lower portion of the the landmass there, and all of the eastern part, that coast, is all mm-hmm. blocked off from us. Um, mm-hmm. It's I, I've I've read that it's assumed to be volcanic. I don't know mm-hmm. where that theory comes from, uh, mm-hmm. but it is. I mean, it is an area that we don't know much about. We haven't had access there, even going back well, as far as one point Well, I mean, we've we've been there. We have been there. It's where the bowl of embers is. Uh, it's well. It technically, it's also where the gold saucer is too. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, we've been there in very, very small chunks, yes. but I think it would be interesting to have the rest of that continent, the rest of that landmass explorable. Um, yeah, I agree. Yeah. And, and there's, there's also, I mean, the, the way that they put up the invisible wall in the sand dunes on the east side of Thanaland was always mm-hmm. really unsatisfying uh, to me. Yeah. Uh, like yeah, it's, two, yeah, it's 2011 and we're or 2012 and we're seeing invisible walls in our game. Yeah, 2012. <laughs> I don't know when that came out. When that came out, right? 2012, something like that. 2013, something. But it was so cool to be able to see the gold saucer in the distance before we actually could go there. That's true. That's true. Yeah, that's true. Uh, so the the names of these islands coming up is really interesting mm-hmm. to me. Yeah. Say 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 how do you I would say Ciudales. okay. Ciudales. All right. Yeah. So um, this is an island chain in... It's basically south of Limsa mm-hmm. and west of Thanalan. And I mm-hmm. don't know... I, I mean, I don't know how much hope I have to see these mm-hmm. islands as a part of 4.0, but they are mm-hmm. islands that have been referenced, uh, such as Hope's Bourne, uh, Locks Lie, and Turtleback Island. We do We've have... been to one of them. Uh, yeah. Which one did we go to? Hellbreaker Isle is in the Sea of Dallas. Oh, is it? Yes. Okay. It, the uh, normal mode, Hellbreaker Isle, the first time we go there, we have several mobs named, uh, you know, Ciudales, Wasps, uh, Ciudales. You're right. You're right. You're right yeah. Whatever it is. Ciudales, buttfucker. I don't know. Um, <laughs> oh, that, was a, t- that yeah. was a tough fight. The gorillas. Yeah. That was a tough fight. Jesus yeah. Christ. Yeah. Ciudales, poop flinger. Yeah. Yeah. They were good. Um, mind, yeah. Man. So that's, that's the, the, those sort of subtropical islands. So, uh, pro- again, there's not like a whole lot of um, settlement and stuff there. No, but there is a lot of space like they, it is yes. a pretty oh, yes. sizable landmass that exists. So we oh, could yes. we could end up seeing uh, more out of that. But I do. Yeah, th- absolutely. I, I, I would just like to see from 4.0. All I really, really want is to have the completed continent of Eorzea. That's what I really want. That's my only hope for 4.0. I think that if we don't have the completed continent of Eorzea explorable by the end of 4.0, it won't ever be explorable. I think we're, as much as we're going to get of Eorzea, we're going to get by the end of 4.0. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, but, you know, I, one, of the, one of the reasons that I wanted to mention uh, the two islands that exist in uh, the eastern part of the continent is mm-hmm. I actually think that that may be a much more likely uh, candidate for 
your civilization for your you know the the city that we build up your idleshire your okay uh you know your uh uh more you know, i see what you're saying yeah i see what you're saying and okay. and that and that the either the resistance or whatever we're whatever we're spearheading that effort is being launched off of the one of the islands in that mm-hmm uh, in that cluster and mm-hmm. uh, I, I you know this is just it, it, I'm I'm excited to see the eastern part of the continent the farthest east that mm-hmm. we've gotten is the shroud and there is a lot more especially to the north there oh, and as yes. we and as we start getting into uh, uh, Garlemald ter- territory as well and mm. yeah I, I, I I'm I'm excited I think one of the most interesting things about 14 is the world that they create and mm-hmm. uh, just how uh, you know how big it is and and how fun it can be to explore so uh mm-hmm. what are you guys what are you guys hoping for in 4.0 from uh from like a lore or story perspective mm. i think having the alamigo city actually be a contested zone throughout the entire expansion and be somewhere that's like basically a garlean stronghold that you have to constantly infiltrate for quests or whatever okay that would actually be mm-hmm. really interesting and a lot cooler than my it would, assin- it would be cool but are you not assuming then at the end of 4.x we're going to completely liberate it because then if that's the case like you can't still have a contested zone no i don't think no we will i don't think it remain contested it yeah remain contested I yeah think. yeah i don't think mm-hmm. i don't think i don't think you have to take back alamigo to be able to give resolution to the refugees i just don't i mean i i think that that you know there's a bunch of different things from a narrative standpoint that you can do with the uh, the the Alamegan refugees that is very similar to the way that it works in life. You know, there mm-hmm. are re- there are refugees all over the place and they come from terrible places and terrible conditions. And a lot of times they can just never go back and they can never go back and they have to live with that for the rest of their life. It's, it's two generations before they can go back to the place that they came from. And that's, the, you know, like, I think that wrestling with that reality would be a really interesting theme for this expansion. We, we saw the... I think, I think in, in Heaven's Word, we saw the... Uh, the consequences of of bigotry, right? Like this was all mm-hmm. closed-minded hatred for something that you didn't know, didn't understand. And I think that if that's if those are the themes that FF14 wants to explore, and I think that it is because that's that's what they've been exploring the entire time. That you know the question about refugees, about homeland, about ownership of land. I think that these are going to be really interesting themes for Square Enix to explore, and I think that they're going to be important stories for us to experience because you know, like a lot of us have no idea what that experience is like. A lot of us have no idea what being a refugee would be like, or what being ousted from your home would be like. I mean, it's it's. A fascinating, fascinating idea. So, um, yeah, I, 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 I quite like that. Shit just got real. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. I'm just expecting Ooh. I because like we were saying, like Athos was saying, Vitergel. I always theorize is going to be like the next Estonian. I'm pretty sure I said that way back in one of our old theory yes. episodes. Oh, 
No and, doubt. And I, I, I want more. Like, I love Monk. It's my favorite DPS. And I love the lore behind All Amigo and with the Monk factions and stuff. And I think it's so interesting. And I just want more of that fleshed out. That's my hope. Well, my question is, though, did you feel satisfied with the... Uh, amount of focus that Dragoon got out of Heavensward because you know we thought uh, dude, if Monk is that much yeah, focus dude. I'm gonna be so happy R- well yeah, but- Monk deserves that much focus even though they're you know basically all dead well I mean and, but, but, but I, and I know Peter that is re is re kind of like making that faction with the you know different chakras mm-hmm. and stuff and exactly like yeah they, better, and the monk, a better just group of people than the original monks the dragoons are to, to Ishgard Nika having played dragoon and just coming out of Ishgard I'm going to tell you you're going to be disappointed with how much of that focus is actually there because like when you think about the Ishgard storyline they talk about dragons and stuff like that there's not actually a ton of focus on dragoons you see them a lot but they don't actually explore dragoons very much. Uh, yeah, you know, I I, I, mean, I I guess, but you do learn a lot about how the original Zero Dragoon started and how the Dragon War started with the Dragoons. I feel like there's a lot of that history that would be so cool to be explored with Monk because we know about the factions that overthrew their king and all that. And I think it'd be so cool to kind of mm-hmm. continue. Mm-hmm. All right. Fair but I, I, th- I feel like that just limits the scope of Dragoon to the Azure Dragoon. And there's a lot more to it than that. Yeah, I think that mm-hmm. I think I think that's fair. I think when you when you pin down things concretely that it sort of you know limits the uh I, yeah i feel more limited coming out of yeah the Ishgard story like oh, that, yeah okay. yeah i could see and i could see how you feel that too um i think my shoot the moon like goal for 4.0 is whether even if it's just like a duty or a fate or something some sort of incursion into the garlean capital i agree any kind of incursion that lets like, us see even, the inside of the garlean capital yeah even I a dungeon that. i think a dungeon would, i don't I, yeah anything i would love especially because this and this would be thematically appropriate uh, I would love the idea of an event that was like tactical incursions into uh, Garlemald where you're setting booby traps or explosions or, you know, like it, it suddenly you, you have this FF7 avalanche. But we're not invading Garlemald. No, no, let's we're, we're let's not, let's not forget here. I need to remind you guys here that we are having a feature very, very soon where we're going to be training and playing alongside Grand Company members. You want to make incursions against uh, against Garlemald? You're going to have the Grand Company next to you. I don't see why they couldn't use this feature. I I totally agree. I and and it would be and it would and it would be a great uh, it would be a great addition. Um, you know, in terms of content, to be able to have assault style. Uh, oh, you know, yeah. th- things that aren't dungeons, you know what I mean? Like, I, I, yeah, I feel like that it opens it up for more things that are kind of like in a design sense, more like deep dungeon. Um, so, yeah, I, I think I think the possibility of that is uh, is very cool. Woody, I, I, we missed what you said. What did you uh, say? I believe we did something like that in 1.0, where when we went into Mordona, there was those, it was like that kind of like a maze where okay. we had to fight the vanguards and, and waves of um, troops. We actually invaded their area. I think we could do that again in 4.0. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 I do remember that very vaguely. I think um, we had a farm for some items there, or something There was like a campaign-like behest sort sort of thing that happened in those zones that definitely felt like we were defending and fighting into Kurthus a little farther and interesting Mordona. I just feel mm-hmm. like there was there was definitely some kind of like 
outposty type of area that we were fighting at. Yeah. No, you know what I want? What do you my want? Shoot the moon. I want to be able to drop my grand company and ally with the Garlemald. You know what? I love that shit they say. That makes sense. We need to control these primals, not kill them. Uh, well, <laughs> can't say that I totally disagree. There was uh, a time in the 2.0 storyline where I was ready to quit and join the Garleans. I was like, screw you people. Fair enough. And we, we all to, die. And we need to subjugate the lesser races. Ethis Asher, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, Thanks, we, guys. we really appreciate your time. You, you, we did not actually mean to keep you this entire time, but we are. I, really, I, meant, I meant to. We really. No, I mean, if I'm if I'm going to be up, like I may as well be. You know, fair in enough. It. Fair enough. But we really do appreciate your time. We know that uh, it's uh, it's it's a weird hour for you. Uh, YouTube.com/slash Ethis Asher. Make sure you go subscribe to his videos if you want an even more in-depth look at the lore of Eorzea. This is the place to get it youtube.com slash ethis asher ethis thank you so much man we appreciate it ethis we're gonna hang out at fan fest right yeah absolutely yeah Yeah. definitely i'm I'm crossing his fingers dude i'm so excited that you're gonna be in (laughs) vegas this is we're gonna we're gonna party right and uh it's gonna be awesome man can't wait to uh, hang out with you yeah this is this is my first like sort of con event that I've been to because it doesn't this kind of thing doesn't happen in Australia so you right. guys have no fucking idea how excited I am right oh I, I can I can imagine and I mean that's that's some dedication uh, uh, you know putting down the money to come all the way to Vegas for that Ethis, man, it's been great having you on the show. We can't wait to see you out at FanFest. Uh, all the best to you. Again, youtube.com slash Ethis Asher. Thanks so much for your time today. All right. Take care, guys. All right, so let's. We've only got about nine minutes left in the program before we wrap up here. Let's read a couple of emails. Yeah. Uh, who wants to read our first one here? I'll take one since okay. I've been here in a while. Yeah. All right, so the first one from Burning Skull of Gilgamesh says, Hey, LBR, I don't think the game needs a level skip potion, as everyone has already said leveling is easy to do, but how would you feel about unlock options? For instance, the biggest complaint I heard was that people really wanted to play the new jobs right out of the gate. I myself thought it was stupid to have level 30 jobs locked behind level 50 plus content. So say someone bought Heaven's Word because they really wanted to play Dark Knight, would you have a problem with them paying a few extra dollars to be able to play Dark Knight or any other job that comes out at level 1 right from the get-go? Kind of, yeah. I wouldn't. If they want to play it from level one and start right there, I don't. I wouldn't even make you pay extra. I'd be like, fine. It's just a new job that's in the game. Enjoy. I I don't know why. But it's it tied to the lore of Because I feel like the jobs didn't function properly below thirty. Okay, well you still have to fight at level below thirty when you're in a dungeon. You know what? You're kind of right. Of course I'm right. I'm juxta. Right. Yeah, <laughs> bitch. Yeah, that's a one to one correlation. But so you know. Outside of the job skip job unlock thing, I've been talking with some newbies in the novice chat and some of their complaints are literally just that there's a lot, a lot, a lot of fetch quest bullshit filler in the, in the MSQ. We all knew that, though. We and, all and went we, through I mean, the fetch all, quest bullshit. I know, but I feel like at this point, instead of doing a, a story skip couldn't they just condense some of the bullshit? I agree. No, yeah, no, no. You're definitely. right. I yeah. totally. Because that... I was talking to this guy and he's like, yeah, the story's so awesome. But the biggest thing is when you have the defeater of God, savior of the world, getting someone's laundry. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. No, I, 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 I totally agree with that. And I would be way 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 less opposed to the idea of easing the requirements 
upping the XP that comes out of the MSQ, dropping some of the pointless MSQ shit, and really giving it, using that as your way to move your character forward. Dude, I have no problem with that. When they announce the XP bonuses for the MSQ, I don't have a problem with that shit. I do. That is, it. all it is is just easing the requirements, and that's okay. No, fuck you. No, saying, saying pay $15 and you can skip the whole thing in a double click that is that's dumb. that is unacceptable i remember a part a point in the like it's like 2.2 or 2.3 where literally you're about to go do bitch work the game knows you're about to go do bitch work and even like the npcs like they have the npcs say like they feel stupid yeah, asking we're you really to go do sorry that. like we're yeah. really sorry that we're asking like like okay then don't ask me yeah i'm the warrior of light i have better shit to do yeah they can uh, they could cut those down yeah, you know sure. what the warrior of light is humble he goes and does your laundry. He goes and collects your bear asses and your wine and your cheese because that's what the Warrior of Light does. He helps the people. All right, let's take another email here. Uh, uh, unfortunately, the other way to solve the hating problem is... This to, is from Firefox, by the way. Thank yes. you, Firefox, the email. Uh, unfortunately, the other way to solve the hating problem is to revamp the entire storyline like what ARR did. Changing the story so new players can't even experience the old story, but instead a new one that fast-forwards them through the story or makes it not necessary no, at all. Uh, no, Nika just pointed it out. Cut the bullshit. Yeah. Cut but, the bullshit. And the problem is they even added more because I'm doing it on my alt and there's actually quests now that say, you need to go talk to this person in the novice hall. So there's even like more quests yeah. to lead you to the new stuff. So they really should just cut down on the on the BS crap. Yeah, I agree. Like just lead you from one story event to the other. There's no reason why we can't do that. Because yeah. we want people, the new players, like, to skip the novice hall? No, like that gives you that the, 30% no. ring. Jax, so shut up. <laughs> Okay, what, I feel like all the no, all the cutscenes and stuff stay intact, but you skip all the bullshit in between, like yeah, the, the, the stupid ones where you're making a feast for someone and you're making you're getting their laundry and you know all the bullshit. Like yeah, the the stupid either. fetch questy shit. Yeah. Okay. Well, that makes no, sense. Yeah, you should leave in the novice hall. No, I agree yeah, with that. I never fine. said that, Jexa. You, you just said it. You added shit like that. No, I said when they add stuff like that, they need to cut back on the other stuff because all it's doing is making it longer. So if you're adding more, cut back on the other shit we don't need anymore. That makes sense. I didn't say cut out the novice hall. I said if you're going to add quests, you have to take away from somewhere else to balance it. Making the storyline so linear from 2.0 to 3.0 was actually kind of a problem for future expansions. It takes literally days, maybe weeks, to complete the storyline 2.0 before you can even experience the first parts of Heaven's Ward. Good! It's a fucking MMO! Have it take days. That's not a problem. If if you're complaining about that, then you're playing the wrong genre of video game. You're playing the wrong genre. Period. Uh, Eleven had a good storyline, and yet every expansion was separate and didn't need the others to comp- uh, complete any one. Eleven was built very differently. Very differently. Uh, the problem is really for new players here. The storyline is awesome, but having to spend that much time to experience it before being able to play with your others who you joined for is insane. If the storyline was shorter, that would be fine, but it's so fucking but long. that's not true. It's be- really not. Because if you want to play with the people you joined to play with, they can easily run dungeons with you, which is what you'd be doing in Heaven's Word anyway. Yeah. Like the only thing you're not doing is end game raid content, and who cares if you're a new player? All, all basically, all that says to me is wah wah wah. My friends are doing stuff without me. Wah wah wah. They can wah. still do stuff with. They you. can. The, and and the thing is, is that I feel like the people who are actually upset or pissed about this are sh- they should be pissed at their friends. 
They should be pissed <laughs> at their shitty friends for not going back and helping them out or going through dungeons. If you feel like you're doing it alone, you probably are because your friends are fucking off doing something else. And you know what? You're not sitting around and blaming them, are you? You're sitting around and blaming Square Enix you, when you should be blaming them because there's absolutely nothing nothing that prevents them from experiencing any of the content with you or going through any of the content with you. So I'm sorry that this is not a structural change that is justifiable at all in any way, shape, or form. So I don't want to fucking hear... I, I hate this argument. It takes too long. I don't want to hear it. You're playing an MMO. You're it's, in it for the long haul. It's supposed to take a long time. It's like somebody, dude. It, uh, I, I, you can you can pick apart any game mechanic like that, but the investment of time is a cornerstone of MMOs. It has to be because the way you make your money is month over month subscriptions. You've got to extend that content for long enough. Square Enix has a serious problem where they don't extend the content for long enough. And they're going to start seeing fall off on the back end. They're going to start seeing fall off, sub fall off in between patches. If they haven't already, I guarantee you that they have. Guarantee you. I mean, we see we see the server populations. It's true. It's 100% true. So I, I don't think that that's the problem. I think, I, you know, again, easing the requirements gets the job done double clicking to get to get through it is bullshit uh let's take our last email here hey lbr crew this is rain mizuchi here uh i recently joined your server as well as your ls and fc welcome Welcome to the LP Army. Me and my friend were talking a while ago about possible new classes for 4.0. I think Rune Fencer should be a new tank uh, with a spin on pure fighting class with magical abilities to give allies uh, weapons elemental power. Uh, my friend thinks Red Mages should come back, but I see no point since Black Mage can use white magic skills uh, so it doesn't count as a Red Mage in the same way. What do you guys think? Laser Beam Raptor for life. Thank you rain for that email we appreciate it uh, I'd, like, I'd like a tank with some buff features that'd be cool you know it's interesting because when everyone saw ilbert they were like oh he's doing end spells but you know with what rain laid out there uh, you know rune fencer could work in that same way too yeah and then we wouldn't have to have samurai be the tank well we wouldn't have to have yeah, red well, mage be the DPS. we wouldn't have to have red mage at all I mean, I think, I, and I do think that he lays out a kind of compelling point there, that because black mages can already use white magic spells, what's the point? Well, I imagine red mage would be a DPS on par with bard or machinist, where you would have spells like a black mage, but you would have a few party buffs. No, I, I, I and I get that. And I also understand that red mages traditionally have been mostly about buffing the party. But I think that he does bring up a good point that, you know, red mages thematically in Final Fantasy have been mages that can use both black and white magic. But because that aspect exists already, is that not redundant having red mage in there as well? I understand that it'll have its own set of, of you know. Uh, rotations and spells and abilities but I'm talking from a purely thematic standpoint doesn't it already doesn't the nature of Eorzea already sort of subvert the idea or the necessity for a red mage in general 
I say no because you can do that in like Final Fantasy V already, and you have kind of a black mage who subs white magic, and isn't that already a red mage as well? So I mean, it kind of is. It kind of is. It doesn't have buffs in the same way. I mean, it's not exactly the same, but I, 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 think I mean, I think it would be cool if Red Mage was a DPS that had buffs and also had like one decent cure spell. I think it's so a they d- could they could supplement the healer. I think it's give a the d- healer more time to DPS. I think that'd be cool. Would it be important for them to use their sword? <laughs> I, I mean, especially if they're, d- if they're DPS, absolutely. Okay, absolutely. I say like Black I Mage think, is DPS, but they don't melee. That's true. I think that Red Mage. Like what I've been thinking is that they are literally a melee class that uses magic swords and end spells to do magic damage from close range. And they also have a rotation. Like that's the thing is that every job in this game has a rotation, and I just don't feel like Red Mage ever really fits with the idea of a rotation. Oh, I can see one. Like you use an end spell, you use a couple different rotations, and depending on the end spell you use, you get different moves and different rotations. But but yet, but yet you're also paying attention to HP bars to pop off an an errant heal. heal. You're not a healer because there are still two healers in your party. You are just in case the healers are like, oh, fuck shit. You can throw a cure on. Yeah, but that's a wasted ability, though. That that could be an ability put towards your rotation. And instead, they're going to give you cure. It could be. But what if you're using it on yourself and now the healer doesn't have to pay as much attention to you? And so a self heal, a self heal. I I mean, eh. Nah, I think it could be. Yeah, it wouldn't. It wouldn't be a global cooldown spell. I think if, it would be like a second wind you can use on other players. If you're gonna have red mage as a DPS, I kind of see it more like uh, the ninjas in eleven doing the elemental wheel with their end spells. Like you, you attack with your ice one, it makes it weak to a fire or whatever. But at that point, you know, again, and rain brings up a really good point. But at that point, why not just call it rune fencer? Because I what's agree. the difference? I agree. I would call Round it. The, di- the difference is that Red Mage is more of a traditional class that people love and that, people don't care. That about is true. Says. That is true. But if they do that, then I think I think we all have to concede that they're just trying to play to our nostalgia. Yeah, well, I, I think I'm I would okay call it. I would call it Spell Fencer, if well, anything, think, or what? What do they call it in uh, Bravely Default? Um, Mystic Knight. Mystic Knight. I would call it Mystic Knight. I know Yoshi's really, really likes red mages too. But yeah, he said that he doesn't think it would fit into. Well, I, but, but I think that in the hidden room or whatever in the anniversary event. Well, but but at the same time though, I think he was saying that mostly about the role of a a hybrid a hybrid. Job. Yeah, I don't think he was saying that about red mage specifically. Oh, you summer children! If you think red mage could be anything but a healer, oh you, <laughs> you oh honey, hey oh honey. Hey, children that's a joke for next show yeah <laughs> right. I mean, red mage red mage could be a healer as well uh but we're talking that if it was a dps all right well we have we have run out of time guys i know that this is a very interesting discussion and that everyone has opinions about what job they want to see next in uh 4.0 but again it's all spec we know we know nico we know we know <laughs> yeah! We know. Anyway, uh, so yeah, uh, we could could keep going on this uh, all night, but we got to wrap it up here. Uh, Thank you guys for joining us here at Limit Break Radio. If you haven't yet, make sure that you go and subscribe to the podcast. LimitBreakRadio.com is where that's located. Hit the follow button. Join us every Sunday. We're here live each and every single Sunday with Limit Break Radio. Join us at 1 p.m. live here at twitch.tv slash Limit Break Radio. Uh, coming up next over at our sister channel, which is twitch.tv slash final encounter cast. We're going to have a big old discussion 
We're going to keep the spoiler train going. We're going to have a big old discussion about Game of Thrones. So if you're a yeah. Game of Thrones fan uh, or a Song of Fire and Ice fan, then uh, make sure that you join us over at twitch.tv slash FinalEncounterCast or FinalEncounterCast.com if you can't join us live today. That's, I think you misspoke about Pokemon Go. That's going to be it for <laughs> Limit Break Radio. I want to thank my crew. We've got Papa Woody hanging out and, of course, uh, Kooky Persona manning the phone lines. Thank you to Nika, Juxta, and Scalia, I'm a Nero. Keep listening. Limit Break Radio is a production of LimitBreakRadio.com and Bender Media Productions. Today's episode was produced by Nero Gregori and Kooky Persona. Final Fantasy XIV and Eorzea are trademarks of Square Enix. Funding for Limit Break Radio is provided by Miri Kennett, Captain Failboat, Zuri and Urexin, Azura Giacho, Bianca Forwin, Kalina Ashsaber, Thor Carson, My Waifu, Satori Komeji, Darbykins, Sakura-chan, and fellow Limit Break Radio listeners. To support Limit Break Radio, visit patreon.com slash limitbreakradio. Opening music in this episode from Daniel Lambie. Listen to Man with the Machine Gun and other great tracks at facebook.com slash Gamer. Closing music in this episode provided by Husky by the Geek. Listen to this and other great Final Fantasy XIV and video game rock covers and original music at facebook.com slash Husky by the Geek. In-game graphics for Limit Break Radio's Twitch stream are provided by Diamond Multimedia. Check out their line of AMD graphics cards and other hardware at diamondmm.com. Limit Break Radio and its hosts are solely responsible for its content.